You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. Welcome to the Mind of the Meanie, your weekly peek into the world according to former WWE and ECW wrestler, The Blue Meanie. We'll cover wrestling, music, movies, sports, and lots and lots of useless knowledge all contained in the Mind of the Meanie. I'm Josh Chernoff, and he is The Blue Meanie. Meanie, what is up? Hey, today is a great day. And uh, ask me how I know today is a great day. How do you know that today is a great day? I live in South Philly, and I got a parking spot in front of my fucking house. How about wow. that? How wow. about that? That is, for people who are not familiar with South Philly, I feel like that's almost impossible to do. Dude, that's like getting the golden ticket to Willy Wonka's right there, man. <laughs> if you come back, if you if you go to, you got a spot in front of your house, that's, you feel like uh, you won the lottery. I mean, especially that's... if you come home after 5 o'clock. Then paint a picture for people not from South Philly. Uh, like parking in South Philly is a total shit show, and uh, like I, people have killed each other over parking spots here in South yeah. Philly. It's like literally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, the- that's not an exa- Unfortunately, it's not an exaggeration. No, uh, like they used to do this gimmick where you put a trash can or a chair out in your spot as a savesies. And I've seen people <laughs> remove other people's savesies, and oh my god, that's a big, huge fight. But the police is cracking down on that now. Yeah. So uh, I got up this morning. I went to have myself a cup of coffee, and I heard a fucking car engine start. I went, "Oh shit!" I was like, "Oh, here's my chance." I I got <laughs> I ran upstairs, got redressed. I I was like, you know, today was going to be a day in my pajamas kind of day. I was like, I heard that spot open up, got dressed, ran down. Well, mildly jogged to my car and moved the car in front of my house. Because if you in South Philly, if you leave your car in one spot uh, for too long, people notice and they tend to fuck with your stuff. So, you know, I, I got I got myself a spot in front of the house. It's a good day. Uh, you know, yeah, it's for how more long than have that. You, how long have you lived in South Philly? Well, uh, we moved back in. Ninety five. It was like the perfect okay. storm. I uh, we're living in Lang City, you know, for like ten years, and then uh, when my grandfather passed, my grandma was like, "Eh, the dream's over." Not like the literal dream, but like it was living in Lang City was my uh, grandma and grandpa's uh, dream to retire down there. She's like, "Yeah, let's let's go back to South Philly. Our family's there, you know, more of a you know, community there." So we moved back here in '95, which was perfect because I had just moved back. <clears throat> from Al Snows, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when I started doing indies on the East Coast. Got noticed for ECW, and then I, you know, I moved back to South Philly. And in a couple months, I'm in ECW, a couple blocks away. So, man, this timing and instinct of just like everything just lined up right. So uh, I've been 
Back in South Philly since 95. Bounced around a couple places, but I've been in this place since 2004. So I got good landlords and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? this, hey, it's your, uh, it's your home base, Philly. Yeah. Obviously, the life is, of a wrestler, yeah. you're, uh, you probably spent a lot of years not just sitting in South Philly. Well, you know what? You did, though, with ECW. I guess yeah. you didn't really have to. When you were traveling, how often were you staying over like in a hotel as opposed to just being able to head home with ECW. Well, you said, uh, you said, well, obviously the arena, the arena, you're just, you're there, but the would, travel schedule in general. I'm sorry. Uh, like if it was, uh, you know, within drive, well, like if we did Pittsburgh, you'd stay over, uh, mm-hmm. Boston, you'd stay over. If you didn't Jim Thorpe, you'd go up and back. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, uh, yeah, there's a couple shows where you could just, you know, come straight back. Well, like, if it was like the last day of a loop in Boston, last day of a loop in Pittsburgh, you just drove straight back. But for the first show or two, you'd be uh, right in a hotel. <clears throat> and, the, and the weird thing is, uh, well, I went to the WWE, and you're on the road a lot. You're uh, you maybe go out for a week, come home for two days, go back out for a couple for another week or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's got so weird. I would come home. I wouldn't know what to do at home. And I would go down to the airport here in Philly and just rent a, a hotel room and just stay in a hotel room here in Philly just to feel normal. Cause I was so wow. used to living in something goofy, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, you come home and it's not like, I mean, what do you do? Just kind of wash your gear and yeah, the road, like, pat, like, I mean, wash your gear, pay your bills, uh, yeah. and then go back out. That's why, uh, I'm fascinated by guys who got to wrestle in the eighties you know, honky tonk and Neidhart would always tell me stories about they'd be out for months at a time. Yeah. I'm like, uh, who took care of the stuff? I mean, if you're a single guy, who's taking care of stuff back at home? Are you coming back and your electricity's off? Uh, yeah. Cause back? I mean, this is, yeah, this is your the eighties. This is the eighties. You're not getting an app on your phone to pay your, you know, right. I yeah, mean, I feel that, like today it's easier for, you know, not that it's easy, but it's definitely, it, it, I mean, it's just easier for people in the WWE today than it was in the eighties schedule wise. And just being able to interact, even just the way I remember I was, uh, when I was backstage at, uh, AEW and walk around and seeing people just FaceTiming their kids, like to say goodnight before dynamite. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, man, the, there are so many just old timers in this business who would have killed to have something like that and how much maybe that would have changed people's lives if they would have been able to just FaceTime their fat FaceTime their kids before, you know, they're on the road for however long, but you know, it makes you appreciate, I guess, the technology today. Uh, there definitely would have been so many more uh, marriages saved if this technology yeah. <laughs> had been back available back then, you know, back then it was yeah. all pay phone, uh, <clears throat> pay phones. I'm so old. Well, no, I'm not. Not that I'm old, but I can remember a time when, you know, long distance was a thing. Now, yeah. you know, like call myself, after a certain time, and yeah, yep. my my grandma used to get hot at me. She'd be like, I'd go to call somebody, and like we were in Jersey, Lang City. I go call somebody in Philly. They're like, Oh, you can't call before five o'clock. It's a toll <laughs> call. I'm like, What the hell is a toll call? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, M- Mrs. Meany. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Mrs. Meany would, uh, you know, this, you know, to save on the uh, call, and she would have to ring my phone, and I'd call her back, you know, and stuff like <laughs> that. When we first met, 
you know, being a good pro wrestling uh, frugalness there, you know. So yeah. you call me, I'll call you back. It felt like we we're doing something shady, even though it was. Just- <laughs> yeah, we can't. We need, you need to call me on a secure line. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I heard a click. Hang up. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So what else is going on, man? You're, uh, we're, we're just here in quarantine. We're, uh, in our, I should specify not quarantine. Like, thankfully you and I are both doing fine. Like we haven't self quarantined. We're all just kind of on lockdown. Right. Um, what are you doing to not lose your mind? Uh, I was talking to Mrs. Meany. Yeah, Cause like we're, this is the most time we spent together in a while since mm-hmm. like maybe <clears throat> I broke my hand a couple years ago and I was laid up for a little bit, but, uh, it's been really cool. Uh, you know, we're not sick of each other. We're not tired of each other and we, we enjoy each other's company and catching up on a lot of Netflix, catching up, uh, last, <laughs> last night we started binge watching the golden girls. Oh and, man. <laughs> oh, why not? You know, we why start not? watching, hey. and, uh, you know, you start noticing things like, man, on, uh, the golden girls theme, when the girl goes, says the greatest gift for me, I'm like, man, she goes hard on that line the greatest gift for me, you know, and stuff like that. I was like, man, don't get hot. I mean, you're just giving, giving one of those girls a present, you know, <laughs> and the card will read. Thank you for being a friend. I mean, that, the lyrics to the golden girls song is kind of fucking stalkerish when you think about it, you know, just, yeah, I'm going hey, to bring it, them it, up and take a look at them. Yeah. Well, you got to hear it. It's like the inflection. Like when she's singing Read the lyrics. Get to the part where she talked about the greatest gift for me. Here we go. Yeah. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Yes. I'm not ashamed to say, I hope it always will stay this way. My hat is off. Won't you stand up and take a bow? And if you threw a party, invited everyone you knew, well, you would see the biggest gift would be from me. And the card attached would say, Thank you for being a friend. Thank Dude, you for when, being a friend. Uh, reread that line about the big biggest gift would be for me. Because like, yeah, go ahead. So invite, and if you threw a party, invited everyone you knew, well, you would see the biggest gift would be for me. Yeah, when she says the, the biggest gift would be for me, she goes, the biggest gift be for me. And I'm like, dude, chill. Wow. Chill. I mean, she's getting yeah, all up I mean. Point. Just getting all up yeah. in Blanche's shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a little, first of all, it's a little presumptuous mm-hmm. that the biggest gift is from them. And also, you know, right. things comes in all sizes. Um, I mean, was she stalking do, other people to see what gifts they were buying? You know, like, yeah. hmm, I'm going to have to buy something bigger than that, you know? Yeah. Look at, let's see. Kind of creepy. I went, oh, it gets even creepier. Um, and when we both get older... With walking canes and hair of gray, have no fear, even though it's hard to hear, I will stand here close and say, thank you for being a friend. Okay, that was kind of nice. But then... That's like the extended mix. This is the extended version. I've never heard this before. It's like how we... Go ahead. Go ahead. And when we die and float away into, into the night, the Milky Way, you'll hear me call as we ascend. I'll say your name then once again. Thank you for being a friend. That, that I never heard that. I never heard This is like that. really like, it's I like think that's I, a friendship on levels that I am not familiar with. That's like the first time I, re- I learned there was an extra course to uh, Real American by Rick Derringer, you know? <laughs> yeah, it kind of, it's, you're throwing me off there. Like, 
Yeah. Everybody knows, you know, I am a real American. But when Rick plays that live, there's like an extra course. And I'm just like, it's kind of taken it aback. I'm like, come on, man. Well, I remember, I remember in the very beginning, um, uh, it, it had, in the beginning of the song, there was like that slow, I am a real American. Cause I remember from the, the cassette tape where it wasn't even Hulk Hogan's theme song at the time. It was, no. uh, Mike Rotunda and, uh, and Barry Windham, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, and it like started off and it was like slow. And I remember for me, I don't know if I just wanted to hear it or if this was like a fig fed situation and I wanted to play it for Hulk Hogan to come to the ring. But it was like, it always was kind of like, all right, I got to kind of like get through this part. Let's just pretend Vince McMahon's talking over it or something. But yeah. So yeah, shit, Golden Girls. <laughs> yeah, hey, Golden Girls. So, yeah. Why not? I mean. Um, uh, how are you doing on uh, The Good Place? The good play, what, the TV show? Yeah. Have oh, you, you uh, said before we, that you were. We haven't. I mean, uh, don't give me any spoilers, but I'm not. We're, we're up until this previous season, and anyway, we're gonna we're gonna binge watch the uh, last season. Of, okay. Uh, good place. We're not caught. We're we're caught up until like right up until this season that just happened. So. So yeah. So we. So my wife and I finished it. Um, we, we caught up on, I guess it's Netflix has it. And then they didn't have the last season. So we looked on demand and it was like the first like six episodes you had to pay for. And then we could get on demand, like the rest of them. Um, and my wife was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to pay for it. And I'm looking, I'm like, it's, it's two ninety nine an episode. I need to know what happens here. And, uh, so we, <laughs> this that's is on the, this season. That's on this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, but only for like the first six episodes. So what happened was my wife and I kind of like, we negotiated a little bit and we settled on uh, the $1.99 for non HD to watch the first six episodes. And then, you know, like watching it in like, I guess it was just standard definition, like some sort of an animal. And then we were able to watch high definition for the rest of it. And uh, yeah, great, great series for anyone who hasn't checked it out. But uh, throw that out there. Like, if you got the Roku app, like I think they have all the episodes on the NBC app on Roku or something like that. So you could probably, really? yeah. So I, you, you probably just spend a couple, you know, bucks when you could just. Put, well, there's twelve dollars. I've never seen. It, man. <laughs> man. But that's like uh, you. You just reminded me. Uh, me and Mrs. Meany are big fans of the show Trailer Park Boys, mm-hmm. uh, which anybody who doesn't know, it's a, it's a comedy from uh it's a fake docuseries from canada based in a trailer park in canada and uh like it was like this big thing and then and then and uh, and then it kind of it wasn't fake it was predetermined uh <laughs> thank you mrs meanie yeah mrs meanie with the save there <laughs> with the uh run-in uh <laughs> but like we had always wanted to see it so like i would buy season one and then mrs beanie would go and buy like season two and we would like mm. trade off and you know eventually we got all the seasons and then we called up that way but now with the majesty of the, the thing that is netflix netflix bought it and mm. every so everything's on netflix now so i think about i think back to when i was a kid and all these concerts and bootlegs and wrestling oh, shows i would i spent hundreds of dollars on you know buying vhs wrestling shows and you know, bootleg concerts, and now it's all on YouTube. I'm like, God, man, if I could have just waited, waited out the storm, and just, <laughs> I could have saved so much money. 
It's great. It's such a, uh, like a, a quote unquote kids these days type of statement, you know, but it's yeah. so, it is so true. I think we've, we talked on the show once before about how I, uh, um, when I do, you know, when we're not mid apocalypse and I do my show, um, so, so sure enough, we film it in the studio at Montgomery County community college. So the majority of my, uh, of my crew there, they're like 19 years old because the crew is supplied by the school. Um, so there are so many conversations that'll come up if I'm talking to anyone who's in the audience or any friends that are there and we're talking about something, it'll always like just dawn on me that these kids working the cameras have no idea because I'm 36 and they're 19. They have no idea what I'm talking about. Right. Some of these things. And I'm just like, I don't, I couldn't imagine. And sometimes I'm glad that we didn't like, I don't know how you feel. Like I'm glad that we didn't have some of these things. Cause I feel like it makes us appreciate this stuff more. If that makes any sense. I definitely appreciate the way I grew up because I actually saw, you know, sunshine and got out of the house and <laughs> got my hands dirty and got some bumps and bruises and scrapes, you know, yep. just being a kid, you know, yeah. you know, like George, uh, you know, I'm a big George Carlin fan. He's like, man, yeah. Don't these kids just look out of a fucking window anymore? You know that. Which don't they, does anybody just go out in the yard and play with a stick? Do they even know what a stick is? And so here's yeah. the funny thing about that because George Carlin he passed away what ten years ago or so. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. So he and he's talking about already. You know, this was ten years ago. He was saying this fifteen years ago because when I was growing up, we were here. I feel like I was like the last of the we went outside and played until our, you know, our mom yelled out the window and or, said, you or, know, it's time or, to come in for dinner. Or the street light came on. Yeah. To, yeah. Like, <laughs> you, when I was a kid, you could play outside until the, the uh, street light came on. You yeah. Know, but, but we, but I also fell into that, like where we were starting with the video games, everything like that. You know, I was, uh, I was single digits when Nintendo came out. So, you know, it, it was, so it was kind of this like, you know, but we were so used to still going outside and actually playing, you know? Right. But, right. Uh, uh, yeah. A big, a hot Saturday night for me was like sitting in my room, you know, playing uh, Mario Brothers on Nintendo and have it, had a headset on. I'm listening to like Living Color or Van Halen <laughs> or something like that. You know, other guys are out, you know, being social and I'm uh, just being the nerd, you know? I had a... Uh... One like in high school, one of my favorite things to do with my buddy Andrew is we would sit in in one of our basements and we would like change gear on guys on the No Mercy video game <laughs> and like consistently update them. And then by the time we were like done doing all that, we'd maybe play like one match against each other. But then right. we realized like the whole time we're like we just wasted an entire night just making sure we could update you know and then wrestlemania 2000 was all about the meanie at that point uh, i think i have that right right isn't that the one you you were in wrestlemania, WrestleMania 2000, right? yep wrestlemania 2000 but like dude like you did all that stuff right and mm -hmm. then like you had like afterwards you know you had you, you had the whatever equivalent of like a runner's high is because you did all this <laughs> stuff and you're being yep. creative and <laughs> eh, you played one game you know but you know uh, with me it's like uh I'm a big mark for uh, MLB, uh, the show, the baseball game, MLB, okay. the show. And uh, I'll spend like a good couple hours just putting music into the game and having like all these goofy, like walk up, you know, batting, like batting songs or you know, home run songs or whatever. Yeah. You know, my, yeah. my character hits a home run. Harry Cows comes and goes, that ball's out of here. And I, <laughs> I, I, I've spent so much time just doing 
goofy stuff like that. But you no, know, back when we were kids, you know, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad the way we, way we grew up, just yeah. uh, to have the opportunity to do that stuff, because you know, I mean, there was no internet, there was no cell phones. You know, you actually you know had to talk to somebody or <laughs> you know, when pages came along, we uh, did the thing where you you play the game where you put a, like a certain code in, and then you have to look at a phone and look. <laughs> you you, s- you send the code in numbers. And you have to look on the phone and try to decipher kind of like uh, in the Christmas story, you know, when he's doing the Ovaltine thing, you know, but you'd have to look at the phone and, you know, what letters, co- you know, corresponded with the number and stuff like that. You send a message that way. That was kind of like cheat texting back in, uh, back in the day. But I remember know. when, when, uh, when texting first came out and you could only do, I forget what it was called, but you could only do like the, you had to actually like tap like, you know, one of the numbers three times to get to a yeah. certain letter and like all that stuff. And it's just little things like that. Like that's the stuff that, you know, and I'm not, again, I'm 36. I'm not claiming to, you know, I'm not an old man here, but when you're talking to like a 19 year old who it has been wired in them from some, the day they were born of how to text, like you say something like that and they'll like just stare at you blankly. Like they don't like, what do you, why are you hitting it so many times to just, just right. press the, so it's just fun stuff like that. Having said all of that, you yes. and I are currently looking at each other over uh, an internet stream to be able to record a podcast for people all over the world to listen to. So How technology ironic. is pretty cool, right? That's yeah, pretty ironic. I mean, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're like when we we're first talking about doing this podcast, we're like, ah, oh, we could go in a studio and now we figured out this way to, do it yeah. over the internet and i'm like hey this is this is cool this, this is a lot you know it's easier it's it's fun and now being able to you know to see each other um is good i think that that always helps you know um being able to talk to each other in some way the video uh video yeah, stream I, here it, it sounds like you're right next to me so this is i mean we're talking yeah. about how we grew up and how we didn't have all this stuff but now here we yeah. are you using enjoying it right yeah yeah, yeah. taking care of yeah, no uh, ir- irony there, you know. Yeah, if I if we weren't doing this with a video screen, I would not be able to call you out on what I see is starting to grow above your upper lip. Um, oh, <laughs> and uh, I I don't know. I'm starting to wear. I'm like looking. at it, I feel like you're leaving it there as like a hint to me, like something's not okay. Hey. This is this is going to be your sign to show me. This is my uh, distress signal. You know, like uh, when something when they uh, people were being held and tortured, uh, if they took photos of them, they would hold like like a hand gesture, like yeah, just see. Uh, the major look. You know, you, yeah, you know, right. Thing you do with your hand, and with you know, people uh-huh. have to look at, it and they got to stick their finger in there. Yeah, yes. yeah. This is my distress signal, but yeah. Uh, what it really I, means I, is, fans, for please who, send send for, razors to the blue meanie. Yeah, for those who can't see me, I've uh, got a little lip sweater going here. I just foregone <laughs> all kinds of shaving. I'm not disheveled like Ron Burgundy after he got fired disheveled, but <laughs> just, uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. You know? Yeah, well, we t- well, you got the cool haircut I got no we one saw on press. social media. Yeah, I got, dude, my eyebrows are out of control, though. I got like, <laughs> like I got fucking Ernest Borgnine fucking eyebrows going on. To... It's like you're, uh, <laughs> Tracy, you calls in... me, Tracy calls me the juice man. What's his name? Ron Papil? No. Uh, whoever the guy back in the 90s who had to, the guy who made uh, the Juice Man infomercial, infomercials, he had 
big fucking eyebrow. I'm, yeah. I, I'm going to Noel Bill Curry fucking eyebrows over yeah. here. Well, I've, 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 been ble- to the I've, I've been blessed with the uh, not quite Eugene Levy-esque eyebrows, but I've got pretty uh, substantial speaking caterpillars of U- above my eyes. Speaking of Eugene uh, Levy, that's another show you got to watch now that we're in the uh, apocalypse. Is that, uh, is that Shit's Creek? Shit's Creek is amazing. Yeah. Just talking to a friend about that, I've never seen it, but he said he started watching it. Dude, it's it's so good. Uh, you know, it's Eugene Levy, his son Daniel, uh, and Chris Elliott, who I love all the way from oh, the yeah. days of when uh, Letterman was on NBC. Uh, the first time I ever saw Chris Elliott came out and did like some parody. Uh, what's his name? Marlon Brando or whatever. It was some uh-huh. something goofy. I'm like, <laughs> this guy's so goofy, but I'm I'm so enthralled with what he's doing. He's hysterical, but he's on there. It's like an all-star cast. It's like uh, mm-hmm. if you ever saw Best in Show, or it seems like that kind of ensemble where they might just go into a show with bullet points, and it feels like they're improving most of it. Well, and, kind of uh, like uh, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes, is one that they'll do a lot of improv on that. Yeah, I'm a big fan. You know me. I'm a, obviously I'm a big fan of comedy, or mm-hmm. you know, you know, with the uh, the comedy and wrestling and comedy in my personal life. But Shit's Creek is is really good, and they just. Uh, wrapped up their final season, which we're uh, in the midst of uh, finishing up ourselves. But uh, um, yeah, well, highly recommended. You were watching some comedy thing the other night, weren't you? Like, uh, was it like a live streaming? Yeah. Kind of uh, it was like, I, thought uh, I saw you tweet something about it or. Yeah, there was this, uh, it was like, uh, we are all the world type telephone for comedians. Uh, <laughs> I'm blanking on it. It was like eight hours long. Oh, it was uh, on a couple different platforms, but me and Mrs. Mina were watching on uh, YouTube. And uh, the one I <laughs> the one I tweeted was uh, it was, was like a four screen of uh, Dan Soder, who's mm-hmm. a very funny comedian, big wrestling fan, uh, Big Jay Okerson, who's also mm-hmm. another uh, historical comedian, big wrestling fan, uh, Val. Uh, Sal Volcano from uh, uh, what's that? Uh, oh, show? the uh, the show with his friends, the um, Unpract- uh, Impractical, Impractical Jokers. Jokers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they had one other guy, and they had like a a, a four way screen, mm-hmm. and uh, they're dude. The conversation, like, if you go back on YouTube, it's the last thing on the special. So okay. go back and watch it. It's hysterical. It was such a pro wrestling com- conversation they were having. They're like. Yeah, we're doing this telethon. We don't know where the money's going, but uh, <laughs> they, they bumped us to three in the morning. You know, we're, we're and, they're, and they're making fun of every comedian that was on before them and stuff like that. And it's just like to watch those four guys riff and uh, just they're, they're taking the taking the shit to you know taking the piss out of all the comedians that came on before and they're making fun how they you know they were supposed to be on at like eleven. They got bumped to three in the in the morning and. <laughs> They're they're like the those guys are like the kids that I would sit in the back of the classroom with and get in trouble with you know and yeah. I, I feel like enough. all of those kids become comedians in one way or yeah. another yeah yeah and, and like yourself I mean you're yeah. like you know you might not have been a stand up comedian that I know of unless hey maybe that happened at some point I could I I could never do that I like no. people are like ah oh, I got friends who are comedians who's like oh you should try stand up comedy I was like now nah, the first heckler I'm gonna fuck a punch <laughs> in the face <laughs> yeah. 
And wrestling, I can at least play it off and, you know, take yeah. it out on my opponent. Not take it out on my opponent, but, you know, turn it into Yeah, heckler. This is what now everyone knows. This is what the Blue Meanie used to do in, what he would do in the ring. A heckler, someone would heckle him and he would just punch his opponent square in the face as hard You're as he could. You're doing this. You're doing this. You're making me do this, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I could never do stand up. That's why I. I I love stand-up comedians even more because you're up there by yourself. It's just you and a microphone. Yeah. You're basically up there emotionally naked, you know, and ho- mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to make people laugh. It's kind of like being a baby face where you're trying to make people happy, where so if you're a heel, you could get away with so much more. Yeah. Heels can do whatever they want. Even if they trip and fall on their ass, they're the heel. They're supposed right. to, you know, you're a baby face. You slip a fall, that could kill your your baby face push, you know. So, like I've always thought, being a heel is a lot easier than being a baby face. Um, yeah. But what did, what did you prefer? I like being a baby face just because uh, my style and all the stuff I do is just comedy. I like well, even when you were laugh. a heel, you were still kind of like a baby face. It was weird, yeah. Yeah. There's times where we'd be with Raven and me and Stevie would come out and we'd get like a smattering of, of cheers, but then like Taz would come out and then mm-hmm. it was established. <laughs> we, were the, we were, we were the heels and uh, you yeah. know, Taz would, you know, suplex us out of our shoes and stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, even like, I think we were the heels and then like me and Stevie and, and Nova start doing the parodies. Mm-hmm. And then when like we start getting, you know, some respect as baby faces, just depending on who we were in the ring with, really, you know, and uh, if like, you know, like I said, Taz came out, we were the heels, Dreamer came out, we were the heels, you know, but like if we were out there by ourselves, like as uh, Blue Dust and uh, uh, Baron Von Stevie, you know, we would get like uh, applause. You know, my favorite part was like Stevie putting the iron claw on Joey Styles, and he just swats it away and walks off in disgust. <laughs> and the crowd just, you know, that was like the crowd just cheered because they knew what we were doing. You know, we're yeah. trying to give people, you know, uh, in in a wrestling show, you want to have ebbs and flows, you know, highs, lows, highs, lows. And like, I'm, I don't know what happened before us, but we were sent out there to kind of change the, the tone of the show with the. Yeah. New Jack had just killed somebody and probably we're going to send Meanie out there to make them laugh. Um, Go get a Meanie. (laughs) When New Jack was uh, speaking of him, you know, we, we talked about him and so many stories last week um, and New Jack was kind enough to tweet some stuff out. And, uh, and I'm looking at that. Like when I see when it's popping up that, you know, I'm tagged in something new Jack's retweeting and he's coming. That's just like, man, like what, what world am I living in here? This is just so, so weird. Yeah. Um, but it was very cool of him to do that. And uh, what kind of feedback did you get from last week? I got a lot of good feedback. Um, and I, I got to say thank you to everybody who's, you know, tuning in, subscribing, downloading. Yeah. Because <clears throat> you send me the numbers. You text me the numbers. And mm-hmm. like, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't know what we're, where we, <laughs> what we're doing right now. <laughs> so you'll text me a number. I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you know, week two compared to week one, you know, the numbers are so cool. I got to thank everybody who's out there listening and, you know, pissing it on and, and, and listening. Uh, I got a lot of, you know, just feedback from, uh, other podcasters as well saying they enjoyed the show and, yeah. you know, the vibe we're trying to give is just a conversation amongst friends. You know, if you're out there traveling by yourself and you need to have somebody in the room with you, 
here we yeah. are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of like the Rogan podcast too, where you could just have anybody on and they're just talking about whatever, Yeah, you know? You know, you, you asked, I, you know, we started this podcast. I started talking about my parking spot, you know, yeah, that's, and that's, I mean, that's been a life of meaning, you know, that's exactly what we want. You know, like I, I've joked before that I'm the, the tour guide into the mind of the meanie that that's basically, I'm, I'm people are, I'm saying, okay, right this way, right this way. And here is meanie talking about where he parked his car today. And here's that, you know, uh, and that for me is just super fun to do. Because uh, and I know some of my stories. You need some uh, breadcrumbs to follow so you can find your way back. But you know, a <laughs> little just, bit, a uh, little bit. But uh, yeah. no. But I'm any anyone who's ever heard me tell a story or answer a question like "How are you today?" They know that I'm used to uh, trailing off for quite a while. I'm a very long winded person. Hey, that's that. But that's the the art of storytelling because like there's you know I've done a lot of things, but there's a lot of sidebars to. Yeah. That thing like oh it was, a, it was I was a miserable day I was in a bad mood this the happened context. Blah, blah. you need to have the context yes. to it. yeah you know I it's kind of like uh, somebody who does play by play on baseball you're mm. you're not there not at the game but if the play by play guy could paint a, a picture of what the field looks like and mm-hmm. and you can see the the blades of grass on the field kind of description yeah. you know somebody who's like really good at you know describing what's happening in the moment. No, that's uh, that's always fascinated me. Speaking of baseball, um, so obviously I think everybody knows that you're like you're an enormous Eagles fan. Yeah, that that's you know. Um, what would you say is your your next sport? Would you say football? I I think football's your your number one, right? Football's my number one, uh, and baseball's number two. Okay. Um, what What are you thinking with the season? Like. How are with, things uh, looking? With, <laughs> what What do you think is going to happen with baseball season? With baseball, yeah. Uh, I'm hoping they. Uh, I think there will be a season. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to get preachy, but guys, just stay home. Just mm-hmm. stay, stay in your, stay the fuck home. That's yeah, what I'm go. saying. Stay, <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, stay you don't have to be nice about it. You don't. I mean, that's honestly, that's the thing. No, just I, stay the fuck at home and and let this thing just go away. I understand you might have shit to do, but the rest of us have shit to do coming up. And yeah. like, if you just stay home and let this thing fucking die out, yep. then we can all do what we got to fucking do, you know, down the line. So stay the fuck home because I want to watch baseball. No, no that's, that, <laughs> that's not the only thing I want. I want people to stay alive. Of yes, course. But most importantly, you want to watch baseball and that's I wanna, no, but I, I just want to go back to the world. I knew before this thing, you know, yeah, this thing, this thing is scary. This thing sucks. Yeah. And you know, the more, you know, people are being selfish and going out and you know, doing things that, you know, other, you know, I leave the house, but Hey, I go to the supermarket and I'm right back in the house and I run upstairs and jump in the shower and scrub mm-hmm. down. Like I'm going in for surgery. Yeah. But, you know, uh, back to baseball, I, th- I think hopefully if this thing gets under control, maybe a, a June you, start. Well, I was going to say, do you, do you think that they would do that? They would just do an abbreviated season that they would just say, OK, here's, you know, would it would it be like less games per series? Like, how would they or would they just some people aren't like because everyone kind of has to play the teams they're supposed to play. Right. So I'm just curious if you had like an idea or suggestion in your mind of how they'd go about doing this. 
I think that, you know, they would ha- just have to jump into an abbreviated season, start in, uh, baseball would have to start in June or July, maybe chop out. How many games could you chop out? 20, 30, maybe? Maybe instead of doing the 160 games, maybe do 130, something I like mean, that? I honestly have always been okay with uh, having less than 160 games. I've, I've thought for a long time. That's always been a, a tough thing for me is, you know, I'll try to follow along with the Phillies. And then inevitably they won't be doing particularly well at some point. And I'll just say, I ca- how much of my life can I commit to this? Cause I'm, I, I like baseball, but I'm not a, a huge baseball fan. So for me, I'm like, Oh my God, like I, there's no way I'm catching every game. Like it's just not, right. you know, it's not happening. So uh, I've got, you know, and again, this technology nowadays, I got my little app. So every single game, I can tell you exactly what's happening during it because every time right. something happens, I get a little, you know, ding on my phone, but uh, there are a lot of games. So I don't think it would be the end of the world if they shorten it up. But do you think that they could, um, if we reach a point where we're back to gatherings of a hundred or something, you know, or gatherings of, cause remember when once upon a time, it seemed like gatherings of two fifty or 500 and we we're like, Oh my God. Cause we're all thinking WrestleMania season. So we're all like, yeah. Oh, how is that even possible? Do you think we could get to a point where baseball, um, maybe they can just start the season, even if nobody's in the stands. I mean, uh, for some teams, that's already an automatic thing. <laughs> if you're, if you're a Tampa Bay fan, there's no fans there anyway. So I mean, it's just like a what? What the hell? You know, just uh, they might have to do that. You know, if you know, yeah, they like think they, the they, season's already going on because nobody was there and they just assumed everything was blacked out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they they would have to you know they, they were going to do like a split season in Tampa and then spend the other half of the season in Montreal or something like that. That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. But yeah. uh. Yeah, like if they hope, like they say, flatten the, the curve of this uh, mm-hmm. thing. Uh, you know what? You know what? A perfect example is like uh, when the Phillies won the World Series in '08. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that game where the in the last game where it looked like the Phillies were about to win, and the, like this torrential rainstorm came in, and they had to post. You know, of course they waited for Tampa to tie the the game, and then they <laughs> said, "Okay, let's put it on hold." And then it took like three days to play a game, right. but like the the night they came back to finish the game, they were in the seventh, and it was like a sprint to the finish line. It was mm-hmm. actually some of the most exciting oh, awesome. baseball I've seen. So it was so awesome. If baseball could come in like like maybe a third of the way into the season, and then like the games might start meaning a little bit more because when you think about it, look at football, right? Mm-hmm. Why is football like the top sport? Because there's only 16 games. Well, right. now 17 games to a season, where if you lose one or two games, ooh, you're 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 dicey as far it's as starting you know, to maybe. actually matter, right? Right. Right. Baseball. So if you if you shorten a baseball uh, a season, and you take out a good chunk of that, some games start meeting a little bit more than you know that now mm-hmm. that there's a shortened season and you're trying to get either you know you know number one seed or mm-hmm. Even if you're trying to survive and get a a buy, which they they got two buys now in uh, in baseball, I think they added another buy in football. But football's always got that tension to it because there's 16 games. If you you don't want to lose one or two or three, 
you lose three games of baseball, you're like, okay, well, that's 158 more games to go. So, like, you know, my my thing with baseball is, you know, you know, start it up in July. I mean, you're uh, the first month will be ugly because you're you'll have to skip uh, spring training, right? But uh, just jump right into it. Jump into it running. Yeah, I mean, look, they're still you know, it's they're skipping spring training, and I'm not minimizing the importance of spring training. But it's not like you're just like, hey, so you guys just graduated high school and now you're playing major league baseball. Like these, you know, these are professional baseball players. They're going to be okay. They're going to be able to get out there and play, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, but it'll be a little, you know. Yeah, spring training's basically to, to see, you know, you know the, the prospects and stuff yeah. like that. and uh, Work out some of the, uh, you know. Yeah, hey, there. maybe we could call some of these guys up and stuff like that mm-hmm. and then. But now they're they're right. You're gonna to have to call it in the ring, call it in the fly. Yep. You know, <laughs> that's improv. We're we're in uncharted territory. Let's see where it goes. You know, and hopefully maybe that'll inspire them to do some newer things down the line to make baseball more exciting. Because yeah. I love baseball, but like you said, it it, it could be a chore sometimes. You yeah, know, it really it really can because there's just there's just so much of it. They need it. They need to speed the game up. Uh, need they need to uh speed everything up you know just uh, yep. make everything flow a little bit better bring more people into the into the, into the, the game because yep. you go watch a four-hour game and it's like you know and they're in the third <laughs> or something, like, <laughs> something goofy like that like people stop you know uh micromanaging and yeah. just let the guys play well there are so uh, many there are so many times there have been games where i'm just like you know my wife would be like oh are you gonna watch the game and i'll just be like, like especially if it's playing a team it doesn't really matter it's a you know like you said like we're maybe we're early in the season or you know a quarter of the way in and i'll just be like well let me just throw it on. i'm keeping track of my phone then i'll just kind of throw it on towards the end yeah. because it doesn't you know doesn't really matter in a lot of ways but it's you you put it on uh, during the go home spot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they're about uh, seventh inning. They're about to take it home. Let's yeah. uh, let's wrap this thing up. Yeah. And when everyone else is stretching, I'm turning the game on just to see what's going yeah. on. So I can yeah, so I can have some interesting water uh, cooler talk. Um, hey, here's a, a fun time to uh, jump into a sponsor segment. How about that? Hey, hey let's did, you, that. did you like that absolutely terribly non seamless transition? Oh, you definitely uh, you know, you know, hit a speed bump there. Yeah, the a little bit. It, but... I'm like, hey, let's throw something witty out there. Nope, got nothing. We're just going to talk about our sponsor. <laughs> yeah. But you know who does always have something? You know who does always have an entertaining show without speed bumps? The Rhino Wrestling Review, hosted by Dan Rhino of ProWrestling.com. The Rhino Wrestling Review is a mixed format, once per week podcast, which includes breaking news, host opinions, and interviews from the world of professional wrestling. The goal with this show is to deliver a pro wrestling podcast from a fan's perspective. It's relaxed, it's entertaining, and most importantly, he's not there trying to say, oh, I know everything. He's saying, hey, I love pro wrestling, I'm a fan, here's what what I think. Dan is joined by a revolving cast of co-hosts offering unique opinions and takes on the ins and outs of the crazy world professional wrestling. They have had me on there as a guest uh, and and somehow survived. So uh, the Rhino <laughs> Wrestling Review drops every week on ProWrestling.com, which again, 
great, uh, great URL there, prowrestling.com, as well as your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. You can follow Dan and Rhino Wrestling Review on Twitter at Rhino underscore wrestling and at Dan Rhino and Facebook Rhino Wrestling Review. We should remind you that it is R-Y-N-O. Again, that's R-Y-N-O, Rhino underscore wrestling and Dan Rhino on Twitter and Facebook is Rhino Wrestling Review. Uh, Man, we can't thank Dan enough. That's two weeks in a row. Uh, One more. We got a hat trick here. Big thanks to Dan Rhino for uh, sponsoring the podcast. And it means a lot for another podcast to support a podcast like that, yeah. you know, uh, with the sponsorship. And when uh, you know, I think of that, I, I, you know, as much as we say, hey, please uh, download, rate, and review our podcast, uh, please do us a favor. Go to Dan Rhino's podcast, download, rate, give him a five-star review because he's, he's having a lot of fun over there. Uh, it, it's good to, to hear from a, a fan's perspective, and it's good that he's he's aware that you know hey i'm a fan watching the show just enjoying talking about pro wrestling and uh that's that's refreshing you know yeah. because you know you know you get a lot of podcasts where you know uh you know you, do, you don't get you know uh, that perspective you know everybody's you know, a quote-unquote expert and all that mm-hmm. stuff and he's telling you hey man i'm just a fan with the show yep so uh here's my opinion right and yeah Give him some love just for securing pro wrestling that that, that, that URL for his website. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm that's, still flabbergasted. Yeah, I, I don't know who available. who originally got that. If it was Dan or somebody else, but kudos to them um, because man, wow. Dan where Rhino, I, where he, were he, we he, in 1996? Should have been, I mean, <laughs> at least squatting on that. Yes, yeah. man. Back in the day, there was people like with buy up all these different uh, websites for different wrestlers and force them to buy it back <laughs> and stuff like that. Here we are, 2020, and Dan Rhino's got ProWrestling.com and stuff like that. So kudos to him. Support him for just for that. Yeah. That's, a, that's, that's awesome. But no, seriously, uh, Dan Rhino with a Y. He's WWE version Rhino. Uh, support <laughs> him. So uh, when he goes over to another podcast, he's Rhino with an I, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, yeah no, no, seriously. That, uh, that IP. No, seriously, uh, when it comes to the world of podcasting, uh, advertising is essential. Mm-hmm. And uh, we re- greatly appreciate his love and support. So go and give him some love and support over Absolutely. his uh, podcast. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Two weeks in a row. Hopefully, yeah. uh, go for the hat trick. Yeah, I have a, I have a feeling we're gonna we're gonna hear from Dan again next week. Ah, uh, Dan's a good dude. Yes, absolutely. And that's another thing. If you're gonna support somebody, support someone that you know is a good dude. You know, like yeah. I know that seems like, but there are so many people out there just like you know you can listen to this, listen to that. But uh, he's a good guy, uh, just trying to to put out a podcast and have some fun, and uh, and he does a great job. So really appreciate his support, um, Meanie. I wanted to ask you about WrestleMania. Because I like as much as I hate to have any structure on the show because I feel like it removes some of the fun. Um, right. But we obviously our show our second episode aired the day after day two of WrestleMania. Uh, some people referred to our episode as day three of WrestleMania. I mean that may have just <laughs> been me right now, but but someone said it. Um, so. WrestleMania, you know, I just, just wanted to touch base on it. I don't want to do a whole review or anything like that, but uh, really just want to know three things. One, 
what did you think of the show in general being from the PC? Two, what did you think of Undertaker, AJ Styles, Boneyard? And three, the uh, Firefly Funhouse match. Uh, dude, given all the, the circumstances uh, they were under, I think they did a great job. Uh, you know, I was able to take my wrestler hat off and uh, put my fan hat on and just sit back and watch and, and, and enjoy two nights of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I think... The two night thing was actually it was pretty refreshing because like the first night one was over it was like ten o'clock I was like oh man mm-hmm. still uh, so plenty of time to you know, do anything that you know, I can't go out but I'm watching you know <laughs> I'm binge watching my other stuff right and then you know you have something to look forward to night two um, you know uh, wrestling is hard uh, wrestling in front of no fans is hard. So, you know, I'm watching these guys kill themselves in a ladder match or yeah. stuff like that. You know, kudos to them. Yeah, know, I just kept, I kept thinking that, just, especially that ladder match was one of those. I just kept thinking, like, how are they doing, like, how are they even getting uh, the adrenaline pumping to do a match, right. to get out and do a match like that without hearing that crowd, without, you know, uh, I mean, I feel like especially like a pre-recorded thing. I don't know if it was me. I find myself at the top of that ladder. There's a good chance. I'd be like, Hey, this is pre-recorded, right? Can we, can we, I've changed my mind. I don't know if I want to do this. There's no live crowd here. Uh, right. I mean, we saw how that worked out uh, in the new Jack documentary. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, but now if a pre-recorded thing. Um, oh, I did want to ask you one other one. I wanted to ask you about was edge and Orton because people had different opinions on that. I know my opinion, um, but I'm curious yours. Uh, well, like I said, like with the crowd thing, people go, oh, pro wrestlers, they're a bunch of actors. No, we're reactors, and we react off what the fans do. Uh, as far as the, uh, what was the first one? The Boneyard match? Boneyard was, match, uh, yeah. Phenomenal. Uh, no, no pun intended. Uh, it was awesome. And uh, hats off to Mrs. Meany for getting the idea to turn the lights off while we watched it, because it was like watching a horror movie. You know, yeah. even... They even did the horror movie thing where the guy runs up the ladder. I was like, why are you running up the ladder? <laughs> nothing good. Like in a horror movie, they run up the stairs. It's like, there's nothing good that's going to happen from this. Why didn't you just go out the back door? Ah. Yep. <laughs> but AJ ran up the ladder and all that stuff. And like, I think it was, it was well uh, paced, well mm. thought out. Uh, kind of reminded me back in the day when, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts and the Ultimate Warrior did a uh, yeah. vignette in the graveyard where, uh, you know, uh, Jake makes Warrior dig a grave and then he buries him, you know, up to his neck and, and stuff like that. He's holding that. Wasn't he holding like a skull or something? Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. yeah. So much, it, it reminded me of that even so much so that I, I posted about it on uh, the social media. It's like this, the Boneyard match, Boneyard match. Mm-hmm. Reminded me of that. It also reminded me of Ozzy Osbourne's Boneyard Radio on Sirius XM, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, no, no, dude, it was, it was a really good match. Uh, they got everybody involved with, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, with Gallows and uh, what you call it? Uh, Anderson. Anderson and Gallows. Yes. Yeah. I want to say Anderson and Gallows, but it always makes me think of like a wine cooler or something like that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> 80 years, I'll be eight years old sitting on the front porch drinking a bottle of Anderson and Gallows. You know, uh, <laughs> no, I love those guys. Please, please don't hate it. No, no, they're, 
they're they're great. Anderson gals are awesome guys. Uh, and I'm glad they got involved. Uh, they got the druids involved. They mm-hmm. they, they did so many twists and turns. Uh, most importantly, when it comes to the boneyard match, shout out to uh, you know Jeremy Borash and Ryan Katz, mm-hmm. who uh, were the were the uh, the crew behind and their crew who who filmed that thing. Yeah, it did a remarkable job. Uh, and I the one thing that I left you know with the boneyard matches, this sets up Undertaker for another ten years at WrestleMania at least. Oh yeah, or or, or minimum five. I mean now. That they set a precedent that he can have a match like this mm-hmm. and keep it entertaining. I mean, you can finally do Undertaker versus Sting. You know, I did, uh, I see people talking about that. I, I, you know, I'm curious if something like that would happen. I don't think they could go back to the Boneyard right away. You know, I feel like it would have to be a different type of setting. But the cinematic right. nature of it, absolutely, he could do absolutely. Something. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then and you know, even McFoley put out a plea on social media. Please let me, you know, begging Vince McMahon to let him uh, be in the part of the next one if they do another one. Yeah, like I mean, that. it was just, it was, it was just really, really well done. And I also loved Undertaker again reinvented himself. And yeah. you know, I, I'm a, a an original Undertaker fan. Um, and I remember at WrestleMania 20 when he came back, I remember just being so disappointed because he was a hybrid, you know. It was like, I wanted to see the gray gloves or the purple gloves or even another color or something. You know, I wanted to see that undertaker come back. And right. I remember just being like, I mean, it's kind of cool. I guess he's kind of wearing what he was wearing when he was buried kind of, and you know, whatever. Um, and then obviously over the next uh, decade and a half, he kind of became this new version of the undertaker. You know, when he went to wearing the long tights again, he had, different designs. And then he did the shaved head and then he tried, he tried different things here and there. Um, but this was kind of a cool, almost like Gothic American badass, right? Like it was, it was really, it was cool. And it, it didn't feel, it it actually, it felt like if, how can I put it? It felt like what I want to believe the real guy is maybe not what the real Mark Calloway is. I mean, I certainly don't know him, but but it felt like what I want to believe the undertaker would be in real life. You know, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah. It makes absolute sense. And, uh, that's just, uh, that's, you know, a testament to the staying power of the undertaker is that like every time he came back, there's something slightly different mm-hmm. that made you, you know, pay more attention and go, I, there's something different about, it. I can't put my finger on it, mm-hmm. but something cool. You know? Yeah. Kind of like, kind of like there's how there's been like seven Ultimate Warriors or something like that. He kept changing his look. <laughs> I like the third Ultimate Warrior, like it was Terry Von Eric or something like that. Yeah, right. But uh, <laughs> but, uh yeah, the Taker. I mean, think about it. When, when he come out, eighty eight, eighty seven, eighty eight. Uh, Undertaker. We well, it was nineteen. It was Survivor Series nineteen ninety was when he debuted as the Undertaker. Yeah, but he had been wrestling since the eighties. Right. Yeah, he'd been wrestling since the eighties. Right, so he's had, he's been around since you know that long, and you know we're still here saying you know he, he stole WrestleMania. I think that match stole stole the show. Definitely stole that night, but a lot of people are debating which one was better, that or the uh, Firefly Funhouse. I think that their order was perfect because I right. think the Boneyard match kind of set this tone of you going like, okay, I kind of, I'm digging this cinematic thing. I wonder what the Firefly Funhouse will be. 
And then that was so like crazy out, out of control. But I yeah. think had the Firefly Funhouse happened first, I don't know if people would have reacted the same way to the Boneyard match because they would have just been like, okay, it's cool, but it's missing. Oh, I wish this, you know, would pop up like this. Oh, where's the original Undertaker? Where's the, you know, um, which some people felt in the beginning anyway, like it would have been cool to see him pop up as the original Undertaker and all that. But uh, what'd you think of the Firefly Funhouse? Well, uh, well like any, any wrestling show, like in my head, if I ever booked a show, I would have like a first half main event, then you go to intermission, then you had the second half main event. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, you know, having you know, the Boneyard match, Matt, I can't talk today. Having the Boneyard match be the main event of night two made people automatically go, man, I, if they did that with the Undertaker match, I can't wait to see what they do with the Bray Wyatt match. Right. So I, I automatically was like, oh, dude, I can't, be, I can't wait to see what they do with this. Yeah. And uh, then my only thing with the uh, Funhouse match, I, I, I was hoping it, it would have had more of a cinematic look at, of sorts mm-hmm. uh, to, to draw me in a little bit closer. But that said, I still, I still thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it because there were so many, uh, not only were they talking about the matter at hand, but there's so many callbacks to when they faced each other at WrestleMania and Bray Wyatt said, you, you made your mistake by not taking me out the first time with the chair and yep. stuff like that. Oh, I, love, so I so, loved that. That I thought was awesome. The callback to him doing the ruthless aggression. Mm-hmm. And then the if you watch fist from the SmackDown yeah. set and the, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, they played off the fact that, you know, uh, John Cena had just sat on a network not too long ago uh, during the Ruthless Aggression mm-hmm. documentary. If you watched the Ruthless Aggression documentary, he said the Ruthless Aggression thing was his biggest failure. And Bray Wyatt being the, the, the uh, mind game guy, the guy who's playing the mind games, you know, it was like, you know, played off the fact that John had said that was his biggest failure. And every time, you know, uh, you know, John went to swing at, you know, Bray, there, you know, there was nothing there. You know, swing and a miss, swing yeah. and a miss, swing and a miss, you know, and, and stuff like that. And then, like, uh, you know, they played off every era of him. I popped the hardest for, uh, I'm all, I'm kind of lying. I popped hardest for the, the NWO scene, but I also popped the hardest because they actually paid royalties for the song uh, Obsession by Animotion uh, <laughs> by the original Saturday Night's main event theme song. That, I was like, that was dude, great. they pay for the right. They play for the rights for the song. And the old blue and the old blue cage. The old blue cage, which I kind of hate. But the blue cage. You, you, you would think I would like blue, but yeah. like, no. Listen, I think everybody can tell the blue cage. I think everyone says was was terrible to actually work with and everything like that. You know. But uh, but as a fan, for me at least, seeing Bray Wyatt and uh, behind that blue cage, like it took me back to you know the old uh, was the Saturday Night's main event promo. What was it? it was uh, I think Hogan had done one. I know I know Macho Man. It was uh, Hog- Hogan and Orndorff. But wasn't oh, no? They had the match, but wasn't there? There's got to be maybe that was SummerSlam or something or or Survivor Series. I have to I, look I, it up, but. I, I, I can think picture Macho Man behind that cage. Right, right. I'm looking, I know what I'm looking about, it up while you while you keep talking here. Uh, what you know? What, when I think of the blue cage, my favorite uh, blue cage moment would be 
you know, uh, the Saturday night's main event where it was Paul Orndorff and Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. And they did the thing where they were both climbing out on different sides of the ring. They both jumped to the floor and they landed simultaneously. And, you know, they had to go back to the replay and they would, you know, did Orndorff land first? Did Hogan land first? And they never, you know, quite, you know, uh, got a good answer, you know, a good, you know, shot or yeah. you know, I forgot how the match finished, but uh, when it comes to the blue cage, that's always my go-to moment, my favorite moment with that, uh, with the old uh, big blue cage. But uh, there's air. I don't know if you can see it. I'm showing you on the thing. That's what I was talking about with uh, oh, Ma- all right. Macho Man Zeus and Sherry with the blue cage. I think it was for SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah. They, they apparently did it a bunch of times. I'm seeing videos like a bunch of these. Um, but yeah, that that's where I I pop for that because I I was just you know I love the nostalgia stuff. The NWO thing though. What do you think the like? What was like the the message behind that? Do you think? I'm still digesting that one. Uh, I'm still digesting it. I have to watch the match at least one, maybe one more time, and mm-hmm. figure it out. But it's still, you know, uh, you know, maybe it's hinting at the fact that you know everybody wants, you know, Cena to turn heel or right the, like fe- that. the yeah. fear of what would yeah, happen the- if he. You know, if he had actually turned heel, because like all these years later, you know, the battle cry from fans is, turn Cena heel, mm-hmm. you know, you know, would it really matter? I mean, people are already booing him anyway, you know? <laughs> no, at I this mean, point. I, even, even, even though like booing John Cena is like the fashionable thing to do. Mm-hmm. But know, not even uh, like anymore. Like, I feel like the last time he came out there uh, when there was an audience, I don't think anyone like booed him. I think everyone was just like, oh, good. We're happy to have John Cena back. Well, it goes back to that old adage. I can't miss you if you don't go away. Uh, you know, when Cena first came out, like, he'd get hot. And then, like, he'd have an injury, go away for a little bit. And they'd bring him back at the Rumble. And, like, the crowd, the roof would blow off the yep. building because they, they missed him. Yeah. They, they they hadn't seen him for a while. And there was a period where, you know, Cena was on TV every week. And, you know, you know, you can't miss somebody if they don't go away. It's like the back, you know, that's why, you know, I miss the territory, the territory system. Because if you get a little stale in the, in the territory, you could just run off to a new territory. And then by the time you come back to that territory you started with, you're fresh again. Yeah. Where... When it's just a, a one, you know, promotion system being the you know number one in you know the U.S., it's hard for somebody to you know uh, get that you know separation where people go, man, I wish they'd bring you know yeah. Cena back. You know, that's that's my theory, you know. But like, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, I said this before, and it's, it's kind of it, I'm half joking, you know, John Cena. It was kind of like the Nickelback of professional wrestling, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody says they hate him, but somebody's buying the merchandise. Yep. And they, if you're not selling merchandise, they ain't putting you on TV, you know, because that, you know, you think how much ad space is on WWE and how what it costs to make all that merchandise. Somebody's buying it. Yeah. And that's why he's he's still on TV. But um, I know I'm getting off track here. Uh, but like I, I really did enjoy the match. Uh, like I said, I'll have to, there's some things I have to watch again to digest it because there's a lot of, there's a lot of Easter eggs in there. There's a lot of deep dives. Uh, but I really liked it. It was, and, and, and the two matches between that and the bone were night and day. Uh, I wish the fun house match would have had the cinematic Mm -hmm. 
flair that the the boneyard one had but the, both matches were were great the it's interesting when you talk about watching something back because i always found you know normally uh in years past i would get together with a bunch of friends and you know, wrestlemania party we'd all get together and we'd watch together um and I would go back and watch some matches a couple of days later because sometimes when you're with a bunch of people, you guys are laughing, you're talking, you're doing whatever, and you're you're out you're taking yourself out of the story of the match, and you sometimes can't appreciate how good the match actually was. So there have been right. some matches where I was just like, uh, like Undertaker and uh, Shawn Michaels, their first one. I remember right. watching being like. It was good. It was a good match. And then everyone's just like, this match was, you know, the greatest match ever. This is incredible. And I was just kind of like, okay, well maybe, I mean, me and my buddies were hanging out. We're kind of, you know, we're talking throughout it. So I went back and watched it again. I remember just being blown away by it. Just really allowing myself to just focus in and be invested in the story. Um, so that's something. So yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's just a regular match as opposed to these crazy things. When it comes to, I, I just just popped into my head, popped into the mind of the meanie. That's, that's uh, literally what we're here for. So, so uh, if I can compare the uh, Funhouse match, anything, it's kind of like the movie Pulp Fiction, hmm. where the movie was shown to you out of order, like it was. There was no, you know, uh, a chronology to it, right? You know. Where, like, I watched Pulp Fiction the first time in the theaters, you know, and then I was, I found myself laughing at so, something so hard that I missed <laughs> something else. I literally went and watched Pulp Fiction in the theater like seven times. Oh, wow. And every time I went back and watched it, I picked up on something subtle, like where the couple who's about to rob the diner are sitting there talking about the plan towards the end of the movie, and you see John Travolta walking by to go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. which I hadn't noticed my first time around so there's so much thing you know there's so many layers to that funhouse match that i'm definitely gonna have to watch it oh yeah one or two more times or just cheat and go on uh youtube and find uh (laughs) the 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 the, you know the finish of being explained to me like i have to do with some tv shows and stuff like that (laughs) yeah sometimes i need sometimes i need things explained to me it's just google uh firefly funhouse easter eggs See what yeah. somebody else has already done all the leg work. You can just yeah, kind of like out. then in the Sopranos. You know, was it the guy in the members only jacket? You know, yeah, <laughs> the, the whacked uh, Tony. You know, yeah, stuff like that. But yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to watch that again and uh, you know redigest it. Um, the last match I well, was just I, oh, what's up? I long I'll redigest it along with my uh, apocalypse uh, rations over here. You know? <laughs> Is that what it's gotten so bad? You're redigesting your, your food. You have to. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Don't ask. It's actually, it's a great uh, tip for everybody. Kind of a life hack. Uh, if you don't want to go to the grocery store. Oh, this is hack. Just, yeah. (laughs) No, it's just as important as what I was saying. So I was really just encouraging people to vomit up their food and eat it a second time to make sure you get every last bit of nutrients out of it. Um, that is a terrible thing. What'd you say? Baby bird. Oh god! You know, I thought I thought you I said think. meanie burger. Well, I could go for one of those. I, right well, now. I was I about to say I don't ever want to. I, 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 I with I you if a, that's what that is. 
I smell a franchise. I just want to be a face of a franchise where somebody <laughs> goes. I think you are the face it? of a. Fr- I think the franchise is the blue meanie. Well, that yeah, but yeah. like, let's get a brick and mortar building. Put my my mug on the side of it. And we have like meanie burgers or okay. something like that. I uh, I'll kind of walk around like I'm the mayor and just greet people and kiss babies and stuff like that. Hello, well, yeah, you know, I would be like McDowell, <laughs> you know. I'll be, you know. All the uh, everybody, all the wait staff, all have to wear half shirts and Daisy Dukes, and uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I uh, my, wear hair nets. My daughter, uh, who's five, um, and you, you met her briefly the other day when she did a run in on one of our our uh, video tests. Um, yeah. She was really she was so excited to have seen you because at one point she asked me like, "What am I doing with the show?" And I said, "I'm doing this thing with this." with this wrestler called the blue meanie, which just sounds like a, you know, a fun name. And you've said here before yeah. that you're the Barney, the dinosaur of, you know, of pro wrestling. Hey, boys and girls. <laughs> and uh, so she was all, like, <laughs> <laughs> so she wanted to know, like, you know, she wanted to know like, Oh, what does he look like? So I showed her a picture. Well, obviously five-year-old, the fact that you had this cutoff shirt was just the funniest thing. So after, uh, after she saw you when we were doing our, our video and audio test the other day, she goes to my son who's turning three this month and goes to him and goes, goes, you won't believe this. I saw the blue meanie and he doesn't have a shirt that covers his belly. And I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, you were definitely wearing a full shirt when we did this video, but she in her mind now has remembered that she's seen this. Uh, yeah. So I thought that was a funny thing. Um, which actually, hey, here's a question. Uh, where did that come from? Was that just because of Stevie Richards doing the cutoff? So you did it too? Yeah, sport, uh, basic answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> we have a more like, in-depth answer if you have one. Yeah, uh, well, when uh, you know Raven first asked me if I wanted to be a part of the uh, Raven's flock, uh, they were looking for guys – they were looking for somebody – to be Stevie's lackey because mm. Steve was Raven's lackey. They wanted to have a lackey to a lackey. And then eventually they would hoping to get me a lackey and in, in Nova. But by that time we were just involved into something else. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, again, it was, we, we were out in Pittsburgh working for Norm Connors. And the day after the show, we went to eat some Chinese food and Raven goes, eh, you know, uh, we got this idea for uh, Stevie to have a lackey. And they had a guy in mind. Uh, this, guy's, this guy's name was uh, Dave. I, I was His last name was Walk. His nickname was Walk or something. It was, it was short for something else. Like, you know how Gronk is Gronkowski. It was yeah. Walk. Something, something, something. So this guy named Walk, they wanted to be Stevie's uh, lackey. And the dude made me look like Sky Low Low. That guy was that big. <laughs> But he couldn't move. He couldn't do bumps. He couldn't do anything. And, you know, Raven, I watched my match the night before. And here I am doing, like, moonsault and stuff. And that uh, I had done a series of shows before with them before. There was a show in Baltimore, West Virginia. But this show in Pittsburgh, Raven finally said, hey, let me uh, watch this kid. Steve was, you know, egging him on. Hey, watch this guy. So uh, he's like, hey, uh, we got this idea, you know, a lackey to a lackey. We have a guy in mind. But he can't move, and you do moon salts. Do you want to do it? And I go, Will I be an ECW? He goes, Yeah. I go, Okay. <laughs> he goes, uh, You're going to have to wear a half shirt and Daisy Dukes. I go, But I'll be an ECW. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm sold. You know, yeah, I'm, I get to be in my hometown promotion. Awesome. Yeah. So um, we had initially did a, a test run where uh, before I was even the Blue Meanie, I, uh, I debuted at the arena, and this was the night that had the fire incident where, uh, you know, the fan accidentally got set on. Well, he didn't get set on fire. Uh, Cactus Jack went to right. hit Terry it went to hit Terry Funk with the flaming chair, and they used to tape to keep the, the this burning towel on the chair, not thinking that the tape would melt. <laughs> so he swung, he, he swung it at Funk, and this flaming towel flew off, and Terry Funk goes up in flames. And like this one fan reached over and tried to pat him out, and yeah, was a whole lawsuit. But uh, <laughs> that, that I debuted that night, and. Aside from maybe one shot of uh, Raven having Tommy Dreamer up in the Eagle's Nest, you know, mm-hmm. you know tied up the chains almost like a, a crucifixion pose. Not the crucifixion, but right. like a, a crucifixion pose. That whole show got scrapped. And uh, I had to re-debut. But in the meantime, uh, me, St- me, Stevie, and Raven went back out to work for Norm. And I started wearing the half shirt and Daisy Dukes apart as part of my ring gear. I did a run with that, and it wasn't until we were driving home from that show, and it was like in a blizzard. It was like north, it was like western PA, we were driving through a blizzard back to Raven's house in New Jersey, and he that's where he came up with the idea, you know, Blue Meanie. Hey, uh, you know, he was like, hey, did you ever see that cartoon, The Yellow Submarine by the Beatles? I was like, I was a kid. Mm-hmm. He goes, uh, I was, he's like, do you remember? I was like, sort of. And, um, and, you know, Raven's the, the best at selling something that you potentially might not want to do and make you want to do it. So I was like, ah, well, you know, uh, you, you want half shirt and Daisy Dukes just like uh, Stevie. Uh, you'll dye your hair blue. Hey, it's going to be so cool you want to do your whole body, but just do your hair for now. I was like, but I'll still be an ECW, yeah, right? right? <laughs> yes, I'm in. And then uh, he's just selling you without having to actually sell you at all. You've already you already bought it, dude. I'm 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 all in. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to so I mean, because you know, there's some wrestlers that are just shoot themselves in the foot and do goofy shit. Uh, I was on the show once, and uh, this one dude was supposed to wrestle Coco Beware, and uh, they wanted him to put Coco Beware over. And guy goes, I don't know, man. I'm too close to home. I can't. I can't lose this close to home. You know, my friends will, my friends will see me, and it's just like Coco's standing there, like in disbelief. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah. It's a you know, you there's my philosophy in wrestling is, it's always been you don't have to go over to get over. Yeah. So I, I've definitely lost way more matches than I've ever won, and I've missed way more moonsaults than I've ever hit. <laughs> And I did. It's, if you do things right in the match, it doesn't matter who wins or loses. Just give them something memorable and show that you have passion. And then you're you're there to make people, you know, uh, not regret spending their hard-earned money on your show sure. or your match or whatever. So, I got a little off track. I was talking about the show in Pittsburgh. Well, just we're all basically tying back to the shirt. And where yeah, you know where that yeah came we from. won't yeah sorry we we got we got back to uh, Raven's house after the trip 
And uh, I think I impressed Raven too because he had bought like this thing of beer. Stevie's driving, Raven's drinking. No, you know, <laughs> so nobody's drinking or driving. But Raven had this thing of beer, and he's like, hey, "Can we find a store with ice?" I was like, "Raven, it's snowing out." <laughs> Pull over and put the fucking snow. In. I I didn't swear. Right, but but... <laughs> put the snow in the in the in the beer thing. Oh, meanie, that's a great idea. I was like, you know, <laughs> maybe I earned uh, extra brownie points for that. But we we get back to Jersey. Uh, we stay at Raven's house, take a nap. Uh, me and Stevie rush out. We go to Blockbuster when that was a thing. Mm-hmm. And ran yell submarine, and uh, Raven is ahead of his time. You know everything they do down at the performance center now with like skull sessions and promos and stuff like that. Raven did with me, and he did with so many other younger talents. Where it was, you know, we watched the yell submarine. We watched just the blue mini parts because if you watch that movie, you really should be impaired just <laughs> to get the full effect of the yell submarine. And uh, I stand in the, in the middle of the room by myself. Raymond would throw out a topic. Meanie, do a promo on toilet paper. And in character, I would have to do a promo on whatever subject he threw out. Just like, you know, somebody had a, you know, who wants to be a comedian has to go to improv mm-hmm. school and do the yes and and the yep. yes and and stuff like that. So Raven was having me do that. And uh, it really it's really good for sharpening you up and making you sharp mentally. Mm-hmm. And something I still do to this day where like, like I said, the, the whole thing behind this podcast is I constantly have a show going on, on in my head all day. I could be walking to my car and I'm cutting promos or I'm, I'm thinking of reasons for feuds or promos and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. It's just stuff I picked up from, uh, you know, being under literally under Raven's wing. We're talking about shirts, uh, cutoff shirts, and I feel like that is a great time to transition into talking about some of our shirts. Why? Why not? That was a better transition. I mean, that was a better transition than the sponsor one. I think. A little smoother. A little We're getting smoother. there. We're getting there. Yeah. Uh, do you love this show? I know I do. Do you love I this show, so. Manny? You're my fucking co-host. Yeah. Right? Co-host. <laughs> oh, I hate. This, I hate this show. I hate this show. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch, I hate you. Well, do you? Well, do you love no, this? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, man. I wish a few people could see the video. It is. Oh, boy. <laughs> so do you, the people listening, love this show as much as Meanie and I do? Well, if so, and you're looking for a way to support this show, we have a great way for you. You can go to mindofthemeanie.com, and you can check out all of our great new shirts available from Pro Wrestling Tees. Yes, you can also go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash MindOfTheMeanie, but we made it even easier for you. Go to MindOfTheMeanie.com. That's it, and it'll take you right there to Pro Wrestling Tees. We've got the newest edition, along with the logo tee, along with the Don't Fact Check Me tee, uh, and the Meanie Mania, the newest edition, I Hate Mustaches, which I love this uh, design by the great TTD. Um, it depicts the blue meanie's face with a mustache. So here's the fun about this meanie. If they love mustaches, they get to stick it to you 
by wearing a shirt quoting you saying I hate mustaches, but a picture of you with a mustache. And if they actually hate mustaches, they get to wear a shirt that says I hate mustaches with a picture of you proving why you look better without a mustache. You see? Well, if if if, if you like mustaches and you want to stick it to me by wearing I, I hate mustaches shirts. That's the equivalent of me being there and she going, no say USA, no say the USA. <laughs> and then you go, USA, no say the USA, USA. So, yeah, uh, if you want to stick it to me and you like mustaches, buy the I hate mustaches shirt and stick it to me. Or if you legitimately hate mustaches, get the I hate mustaches shirt, which I am contradicting myself today with this uh, lovely lip sweater. Uh <laughs> Yeah, seriously, uh, Pro Wrestling Tees is, is a great company. They do great work, and they get stuff out to you fast and quick and, and great quality. high quality. Yeah, and, and, quality. and here's the thing. This is a little pro tip for you. Um, pay for the extra thing to get the soft shirt. Like, do yourself a favor. It's like $2 or something. Just just, just do yourself a favor and get that soft shirt. You know what I mean? You know what I'm it's, talking about. And, and we're not trying to upsell you for us because we don't get that. No, we don't get it. I'm just... Or not. This is for your yeah. own, your comfort. This is, you know, yeah, yeah get the soft shirt. Uh, but you know what else you can get while you're at Pro Wrestling Tees? Get the full shirt. What, get, what's that? And get the full shirt. The full shirt, yeah. And then yeah. you get to cut it off yourself if you want to. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but while you're over there at Pro Wrestling Tees, make sure to go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Blue Meanie. So you can buy any of the Blue Meanie merchandise, the BWO shirts, some great Philly-inspired shirts. Uh, Meanie, tell us a little bit about what we have there. Over at uh, ProSlingTees.com slash Blue Meanie, you got a variety of shirts. Uh, first of all, you get the number one selling shirt in ECW history, the BWO shirt, which I'm amazed still, I still see on TV to this day. Uh, there's plenty of shirts that I've designed. There's some shirts that, you know, Mrs. Meanie designed, my favorite being the uh, Hello Meanie shirt in the, in the theme of Hello Kitty. Love that. Uh, she also did... She also designed the uh, unbooked catering, which is a personal <laughs> favorite of mine. Which, you know, is a lot. Of, a lot of times in WWE, I spent my time in unbooked catering. So, yeah, yeah, I'm getting a lot of unbooked catering right now with the apocalypse. Oh, man. So, uh, plenty of great shirts. I got a. If you're if you're a Philly sports fan, there's uh, the Philly Philadelphia shirt and the ECW ECW and W theme. But each shirt is each Philly sports colors. So. You can uh, rep Philly, you can rep the Blue Meanie, you can rep the BWO. Uh, you can kind of rep and, in uh, being an old school ECW fan while doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's awesome. So uh, there, there's plenty of options. Uh, and the cool thing about Pro Wrestling Tees now, they've done it in a way where every shirt you put up now is automatically, you got options for t-shirts, soft shirts, tank tops. Yeah. Summer's around the corner. It's about to get a little bit warm. We might not so. be allowed out of our houses, but, <laughs> but at least you can... Strut your you stuff look great in the, in the living mirror. room, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, anyone listening to this show who thinks uh, they'd like to support me with some of my merchandise, I wouldn't be offended by that. So you can go to so sosessionoff.com. Uh, I also have a Pro Wrestling Tees uh, page that is prowrestlingtees.com slash so says Chernoff, and that has shirts like the one I'm wearing today that Meanie can see. Sarcasm is my superpower. That's one of my shirts. And the- and the cool thing about the sarcasm is my superpower shirt is 
anybody that, that can appeal to anybody. There is you know, no it, trace of wrestling on this at all. There really isn't. No trace of the only trace of it is the S logo, but nobody knows that that's you know unless you know me or know my show, you don't know that. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's one of my favorite ones uh, on there. But you can go to sososhernoff.com, check that out. And finally, I mean, if you're into wrestling shirts, you got to go to the wrestling brand, and that's Collar and Elbow. And you can go to Collar and Elbow, get all of their creative shirts at collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the coupon code MEANY and save 10%. Uh, they, now, of course, you can go get the Collar and Elbow brand. has uh, been taken over by the BWO. So you can go get some great BWO shirts, but they have just awesome, awesome shirts there. All of their shirts, I believe are that soft material. Um, just really good quality, uh, much like pro wrestling tees, really good quality shirts. And the cool thing about, you know, uh, collar and elbow is they could easily be a, a store that's on pro wrestling tees, but they're, they're their own brand to themselves. It's uh, founded by Al Snow and he's got a great, you know, sidekick with Rod Rod Hicks there down there at Kyle and Elbow, and uh, they're really good, really great customer service, great quality shirts. Uh, I'm excited that uh, the BWO got to take over Kyle and Elbow, and like I said, use promo code or coupon code, whatever your your verbiage is. Uh, use the code Meany, save ten percent off, uh, and you can get yourself the Kyle and Elbow. It's it. Yeah, a t-shirt called the Collar and Elbow Mirror Shirt, where it's collar and underneath and reverse, like a mirror, it says elbow. Well, now it says collar and you know elbow, but instead of bow, there's BWO. Which, if you go to my social media, you can see uh, in my social media at Blue Mini BWO on all the uh, Instagram and Twitter, you can see this great shirt that they did. I'm very proud of. And that's uh, cool to be working with my big brother, Al Snow. So, support them support our pro wrestling tees and uh you know oh and we should add you know, everything if you're listening yes. if you're listening to this uh april 13th monday morning when this drops at six o'clock in the morning uh if you're listening to this you have until noon central time and you can use the code spring fling at pro wrestling tees and save 20 percent on everything there yeah so we're you know we're saving you money all over the place that's just what we're here for <laughs> That's where we're here. Yeah. We're going to save you, save you money uh, by asking you to buy as many shirts as possible. And then we'll, t- we'll just cut off a little bit for you. It'll be fine. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's talk uh, some other stuff. I'm not even going to bring anything up. Oh, I am going to bring something up because I wanted to know what you thought about the Edge and uh, Orton match. Uh, I, I, I really liked the Edge and Orton match. Uh, it was a little bit long. But I still found myself engaged in it just mm-hmm. by seeing they were, what they were going to do next. Uh, and, you know, kudos for Edge for, uh, I mean, not being really, you know, gun shy mm-hmm. about going there, out there and performing, you know. You come back from uh, an injury such as his and, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm, you're, I'm thinking, oh, man, his neck. Yeah. But there, there didn't seem to be any hints of rust or, you know, fear. And uh, Edge's work. And Randy Orton's, you know, one of the best going, you know, not just for, you know, you know, the added, you know, not the, I mean, the um, Ruthless Aggression era, but like all time. Yeah, he's, he's like incredible. an all time great. Yeah. I, he's, and, uh, Randy Orton's like a throwback, like he's, he's vintage and 
new age all in 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 the in modern in the, in the same you know person why don't you think he gets enough credit as because i in my opinion i think he's absolutely one of the best all time um but if if you said to me give give me your top 5 he probably wouldn't be in my top 5 so why do you think that is i mean i'm not even entirely sure because like I would look at him with anyone else and say, absolutely, hands down, one of the best. But then I'd list all these other people. He just doesn't seem to ever be, from a fan standpoint, in that same conversation as other talent that he is just as good at, if not better. Yeah, I wish I could give you an honest answer because I think he should be in, you know, everybody's top five. You know, uh, it, it's it's I I couldn't even. Tell you why. Do you think it's create? You know, do you think he, it's creatively like like for instance, you'd look at someone like, um, I'm trying to think like someone like him and and Steve Austin, right? So right. there could be many arguments about their actual in ring ability. Um, not taking anything away from Steve Austin, obviously, at, at really any stage in his career. Um, but there could be arguments that in strictly in ring, why is one better? than the other. I mean, they could be pretty much, you could see them on the same, you know, maybe this isn't the best example, but do you think it's because a guy like Steve Austin was stone cold? Steve Austin had all of that story, all of that, you know, the time when he was there, do you think that that's why they hold someone like him in higher regard because of his character? Do you think Orton never had the opportunity to be in a storyline or have a character quite as high as some of these other, like somebody like, I mean, I mean, obviously forget Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, Without question, Randy Orton's a better in-ring wrestler than Hulk Hogan. I couldn't imagine Hulk Hogan would would disagree with that. Um, you know, Orton's just great. He's he's, but obviously he never had that. He was never Hulk Hogan in that in that character sense. Any of what I'm saying makes sense at all? It's like uh, if I could equate this to music and bands, it's kind of like the band The Kinks. Mm-hmm. Ever, you know the band the kinks Not really where like they came oh kinks is a uh, the kinks are a legendary band and uh legendary songs and this is you know maybe because you're such a youngster yeah, there. i'm looking them up uh, you haven't heard you haven't heard the kinks you know they, they did uh you really got me which van halen covered oh okay and, okay yeah they did a uh, song called lola uh walking to i mean we're going to botch that title of the song but they used to in the sopranos is amazing uh they're this amazing band from england came out in the 60s but same time you know there's the beatles there's the rolling stones and mm-hmm. all these other bands but the kinks were tearing it up kinks were a great rock band you know uh two brothers in there ray and dave davies and uh they put out all these hits you if you went and looked at their greatest hits you'd be like man they put out a lot of great songs well but I, but like you know, Randy Orton, he's he can he's had all these great matches, with all these great people, and there's you know some some marquee matches, you know, memorable matches. But I I can't give you a good reason why you know he should be in everybody's top five. Do you, you know, do you agree? Had, do you agree with me with my had, perception of it that he's not, but should be? I. To, Maybe I'm being selfish because I think he's one of the top wrestlers in the business now. And oh, I, the, I agree. You know, top wrestlers. I agree. Yeah. I just don't but, think if you ask people their top five, I think you're going to get a whole lot of 
Steve Austin, The Rock, Ric Flair, Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, uh, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. Um, You're even going to get Sting. You're going to get people. You're going to like, I feel like that's going to obviously Blue Meanie. You know, you're going to get that. That's just my personal top five. But uh, no, but you are going to get like that, that upper echelon of, of talent. And do you think it's just because of when they were, or maybe if I was asking uh, a 12 year old right now, maybe Randy Orton would be in their top five and guys like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels would be nowhere to, or Bret Hart would be nowhere to be found, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's very valid point, but he's, like I said, it, it, it befuddles me to, you know, to, to see why he wouldn't be in a top five. Definitely, def, definitely top 10 too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, his psychology is awesome. His his presence is awesome. His his entrance, which people rib, takes too long, but you know, he, he sets a tone. He it's it's his character. He's slow, mm-hmm. methodical. Again, just like a Bray Wyatt, he he plays the mind games and stuff like that. And uh, when he is when Randy Orton is on, and that's not to say that some not to say that he's off, but when he's like really on, I I don't. The, I'll I'll watch him. I'll say I don't know that anyone does it better. Like he's just, right. you know, like you he's said, one, like he's the methodical. The, the you know his eyes, you can see it in his eyes and his face and his body movements. It's it's yeah. He's one of those guys that you know a guy takes a bump and he just looks at the crowd. They know what's coming next. Yep, he's going to go over and start pounding the mat yep. and you know go you know either suffer you know the punt to the head or the RKO and stuff like that. And he's another. He, his promos remind me of like a Jake the Snake Roberts, where he's not yelling. Yeah. He's he's talking in a in that tone, and well, right, it draws you in closer to the camera and makes you you know pay attention. Yeah. You know, his promos are great. Well, that was you another know? thing. But, I, I I can't find any flaws in Randy Orton. Yeah. Well, that was another and, thing. His uh, when in that match with Edge, like you're talking about going for the punt. Yeah, there is this body the body language that he has. I knew exactly what Orton was doing and it was more not even body language. It was more like just like the look on his face. Right. I, I really like the match. I know some people have given it one star. You know, I don't want to say, you know, whatever who that person was, but that's, oh. the, right. you know, saying it's the worst match in, in WrestleMania history. If you want to hear someone really vent about that, uh, watch. <laughs> so says Chernoff this month on, uh, on fight TV. Uh, yeah. Someone might be talking about it. But uh, no, I thought the match was really. Uh, I thought it was really good. But uh, match was, uh, the match was great. It, I mean, like I said, it was long, but it wasn't the fact where I was like, you know, wrap this up, guys. Let's. Yeah, you know, but it also took. It also it. was great because it took you out of uh, the fact that there were no fans there. So it was it was nice to exactly. have a bunch because it was all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice little tour of the performance center as well. Um, you know, it's nice to see that they have cages above their their boardroom table, like like everybody should in their office. You know, hey, why not? Yeah, you know that that that, that scene kind of reminded me of the uh, the movie The Crow when he's on the they're all in that meeting in, and he uh, jumps down Brandon onto Lee. the table. Yeah, yeah, that that part reminded me of the, me of the movie The Crow a little <laughs> bit. But yeah, who doesn't have a cage above their uh, yeah. boardroom? You know, and if you, boardroom table, and if you don't, you should. Yeah, yeah, it's wrestling. Yeah. So what else is going Wrestling, on? It, it could be, uh, yeah. Uh, hey, I, 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 I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. Um, it's, it's something I really want to put over is the uh, Cauliflower Alley Club. Yes, please uh, do. Yeah, it's just something I want to 
try to include on every mind of the meanie. Uh, if you're in the especially if you're in the business, this is something you really want to be a part of. But you don't have to be in the wrestling business to be a part of the uh, Cauliflower Alley Cauliflower Alley Club. First day with the new mouth, folks. Um, <laughs> it's your over, mouth is being weighed down by that uh, by that mustache. Yeah, by that, that yeah, that that's lip why sweater. I, I would say that's yeah. another T-shirt, lip sweater. Except I don't know if we can just have everything based on mustaches. Every T-shirt. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I mean that that would be a little bit of overkill. Yeah. But from your lips back to the ears, cauliflower alley yeah, club to the uh, the cauliflowered ears. Uh, you know, for over 50 years, you know, the Cauliflower Alley has been re- pro- re- professional wrestling's only legit charity. It's a it's a 501c3 nonprofit organ corporation organization. Uh, go to caulifloweralley.org and uh, join up. Uh, what they do is, uh, you know, pro wrestlers don't have insurance. They don't have a union, but uh, they have an organization like the Cauliflower cauliflower alley club <laughs> who come along and help the, those pro wrestlers in need. Uh, I know for a fact, you know, Jerry Lynn had back surgery, you know, 10 years ago, they helped out with that. Uh, Kamala was having some uh, troubles and the cauliflower alley definitely helped Kamala out with his problems. Uh, and memberships, uh, fairly reasonable. You can either do uh, yearly or buy a lifetime membership. I, uh, myself, you know, went all out and bought a lifetime membership. And with that comes a, a really beautiful looking certificate that you can hang on your wall and you know, take pride and take pride that you're giving back to a promotion that gets back to so many different wrestlers with the CAC. And, uh, you know, every year we have a banquet in uh, Las Vegas this year's usually happens around the end of April, beginning of May, but it's uh, been postponed till September. So that gives you even more of a chance to, if you want to join a great organization that helps professional wrestlers. Do they know they don't have to be a wrestler. Yeah, like Mrs. Meany says, yeah, there's this big <laughs> misconception that you have to be a professional wrestler to join the CAC. You do not have to be a professional wrestler to join the CAC. You just need to have a love of professional wrestling and professional wrestlers to join the CAC. And help them up, help the promotion, help the uh, charity that gives back to the professional wrestlers. I have been uh, myself talking about this for, it feels like forever to join. So right now, while you were saying that, I went onto their website and went through and it is a super, super easy click, especially if you have PayPal set up um, and just go right through to, uh, to sign up and become a member of the the now I can't say it either. Cauliflower Alley Club. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, from a, a fan's perspective and somebody who spent a cup of coffee in the ring. Um, it is uh, it is such an such an awesome club that really does uh, incredible things for wrestlers from the past and uh, really also pays homage to so many people, you know, with the awards and, and things like that. So it's, it's really, uh, yeah, I, I'm a, a big fan of it. And now as of today, will officially, uh, become a supporter. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And, and when you join, you get the certificate, they'll give you a shout out on social media. Uh, and it's, and it, like I said, the, uh, banquets are fantastic. So if you don't want to miss out. You could probably still get in on there and try to, uh, you know, make the banquet in September in Vegas. Uh, it's a two night thing. The first night they do a, uh, 
what used to be called the baloney blowout, which was uh, a tip of the hat to back in the day when pro wrestlers used to drive around in the car together. You know, somebody would always pack a, a cooler full of sandwiches, you know, usually a bologna sandwich. And, uh, you know, you'd pay a couple bucks to the, you know, the driver and, mm-hmm. you know, to have the sandwich. And, you know, they used to call it the blow, bologna blowout, which they've renamed the Bachwinkle blowout in honor of uh, Nick Bachwinkle, mm-hmm. who uh, was one of the biggest supporters of the CAC. And uh, when uh, Nick had passed, they, uh, they dedicated that night to him because that was probably his favorite night of uh, the CAC banquet. And then the next night is a little bit more formal where you, uh, you put on your, uh, your best suit, your best dress. And they, they give out awards on both nights. And, uh, you know, more, more recently they gave out an award to killer cross. Uh, you know, uh, they just gave out, a, you know, they'll give out awards to tag team of the year. The, I know uh, uh, all these different know Medusa rate- set to receive an award this year. Medusa is going to be there. This, yeah. Uh, Medusa gets an award this year. So it's a, it's a great evening. It's a great fun. Uh, and it hurts a lot less than going to a wrestling <laughs> show. I think a month. It, it, it's cool. To, it's cool to see so many generations come, to, come together. Mm. Uh, you know, one night a week they get together at the bar and they have the uh, Larry Sweeney Memorial strut off, <laughs> uh, which is usually fun. Uh, I almost won. I, I got screwed over by Sam Houston. Oh, uh, but, uh, I would have won somebody like the, the rules for the Larry Sweeney strut off is, uh, no choreography, no props, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, somebody tried to slip me a pair of tassels for my boobies. Oh. And I went, I went, ma'am, I am a, a, a man of integrity. I will not be wearing those tassels because that's a prop, yes. right? See me, so, see me after. Sam, I will absolutely be wearing them in uh, in another setting, but not during. I'll be at the penny slot, yeah. <laughs> my, my 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 booby tassels. But uh, of course, Sam Houston, being a heel, went and wore the the the, the tassels and the, the 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 nip covers and one. So I got, oh. I got I got job on that one. But yeah, hey, I'm getting off a tangent here, but like you know, it's a great time to go out to Vegas, be. Uh, amongst different generations of wrestlers, Re- people from all over the world too. There's people come from overseas, people who come from Canada, all over, and it's a great night of great, you know, couple nights of wrestling and uh, and home. It's, 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 it's the be- a, a good reason to go to Vegas. Yeah, and it's it's <laughs> home of the uh, I guess we can call it the titty tassel screw job. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That'll be on dark side. That'll be on dark side of the ring. <laughs> season season three, season the three of dark side of the ring. <laughs> Uh, did you see uh have you seen the other one yet the the newest one or no you didn't get a chance to oh yet. uh yeah I, yeah i did see uh episode three, episode three brawl uh, for all is that, yeah i keep getting screwed up because there's two benoits yeah uh so it's technically a fourth yeah. but it's, it's really free uh i did watch it i watched the uh brawl for all yeah what'd you think and uh it was good man uh i wasn't there for that, I was. That's what I was going to ask the, you. I wasn't sure if that where that lined up. I, I was there for the Butterbean mm-hmm. uh, Bart Gun match, which yes. uh, was interesting because uh, Butterbean and his folks were like really cool people. Like they, I mean, I guess you know they. Were, I'd be happy too if I was getting paid to be there. Yeah, but uh, they were. Uh, Butterbean was genuinely nice, dude. Uh, his his whole camp and organization was genuinely nice. Um. And like they said, with the earlier brawl for alls, the the uh, curtain and the monitor was totally sold out. 
at WrestleMania 15 for Bart Gunn and uh, Butterbean. I remember. Uh, I know they did. There, there, there wasn't really a reason to mention this on Brawl for All episode, but uh, there's a really touching moment uh, during the uh, Bart Gunn Butterbean match yes. or fight where uh, they're at, you know announcing the judges at ringside. And it was the last public appearance of Gorilla Monsoon, yep. who had been ill, and he lost uh, a ton of weight. And uh, you know, you know, Gorilla Monsoon being from the area too. You know, he, you know, he's legendary in Philadelphia. He's from Jersey. He lives right over the bridge in in uh, Collingswood at the time. And uh, you know, when they announced him, and the ovation that that Philly crowd at WrestleMania gave Gorilla Monsoon brought. You know, it definitely brought a tear to the eye. Uh, I was standing next to referee Mike Kyoto, and we just looked at each other and were like, "Man, and Mike Kyoto, who uh, had been, was still there. He's been with the WWE since he was a teenager. He he came up a ring crew, and you know, him and Gorilla were pretty close to watch him get a little bit emotional. Yeah, and there was a lot of you know cheering and fist pumps, you know, for the ovation that Gorilla got in the back. You know, right before that. Uh, the the uh, brawl for our match at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and then there was uh you know once the fight got started there was a contingency of people who were very vocally uh, rooting on uh, Bart Gunn and they might have said you know a few things about you know, Butterbean which uh, you know, had the Butterbean camp looking at us like you know how rude <laughs> you know <laughs> come on Bart knock him out you know that kind yeah, of stuff. I was like and welcome then, to you know, wrestling and to Philly <laughs> this is this yeah. is what happens here. And then uh and then the bell like you know, Bruce Pritchard said the bell had to ring. Yeah. And uh <laughs> and uh Butterbean did what he did to Bart and then like he rang his bell all for the sure. wrestlers Yeah, all the wrestlers who are, are very vocally uh, supporting uh Bart Gunn kind of did the Peter Griffin ba- slowly backed away from the monitor yeah. and uh, like the uh, Homer Sim- oh, Homer Simpson into the uh into the uh bushes, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to catering. I'll be right back, you know. <laughs> coffee. Somebody said coffee. Coffee. I need some coffee. Oh man. So, uh, yeah, they, that's the the one of the things I remember from that. Uh, and then the uh, the the deal with draws is uh, especially heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, that was just tough to tough uh, to watch. Were you? No, you weren't there when. Yeah. Were you there when he got? Uh, yeah. I know you when he actually got injured. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I was there. Uh, were you Were you actually there that like you were with the company? Were you there that night? Yeah, I was at the Nassau Coliseum when it happened. And uh, you okay? Well, are you okay? No, was, are you okay talking about it? it got, like, oh yeah, it's just it's just one of those. It's, I mean, much. I mean, a couple you know months before you we were dealing with the Owen situation, and uh, you know, maybe I'm the jinx. I don't know. I'm in the company, and these two horrible things happened. You know, but. Well, well, if that's uh, the case, thank you for joining us on the final Mind of the Meanie uh, podcast with, <laughs> with Josh Chernoff as your host. No, um. Well, if I can, yeah, yeah, I have no problem talking about uh, Besides the fact of the actual accident being one of the most tra- tragic things to happen is that day at a, you know the TV tapings, Draws and Dilo were just hanging out. You know, they were, you know, you know, back this is back in the early days of video games, you know, D was always bringing his like PlayStation games, PlayStation to TVs. 
and uh, they were playing some kind of uh, you know racing game or something like that. And you know, Delo and and Draws were you know playing video games together that afternoon, just hanging out, being you know guys, yeah. you know being boys, you know hanging out and talking. And then something like this happens where you know he goes to pick him up for the walkout powerbomb, which he's done countless times mm-hmm. before, to to no 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 pro no issues. So uh, you know it was and it was a scary situation to where you know where it just seemed like there had been like a miscommunication. Mm-hmm. I I like I'm not going to ex- say. For sure what happened but it just seemed like you know Dilo went to put him up and maybe there was like a little hitch in the way he got him up and like i don't sta- know if he was slightly to re- staggered jump or a or lift or yeah, yeah timing it, was just i don't know off. yeah i don't know if they were going for a reset on it because it was a tape show mm-hmm. you know so some if you're you know back in the day if you were taping for some, something for wwe or even ecw paulie was good you know, covering shit mm-hmm. up where if you, you feel like you're going to botch a movie, you just reset, do it again, and they fix it in post. So I don't know if they were, you know, maybe it didn't feel right, and maybe there were, one person thought they were resetting, and the other person thought they were going for the move. But and, and I'm going on 20 years memory, yeah, yeah. too. On it. But, well, I don't even but think I, that, was, that's it, one of the things they talked about in the Brawl for All, or the Dark Side of the Ring. Like, I don't think either of them even really know what happened. Right. Just, it, you know. So I'm... Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say this is what happened yeah. because I wasn't in this situation, but just, you know, watching. And, uh, you know, the accident happened and, you know, they loaded up draws. They brought him through. And uh, Shane McMahon was like the first person to meet him through the curtain. Well, Dilo was there and Shane was there. And Shane was like, come on, draws. Come on. You'll you'll get through this. And, uh, you know, Shane was rooting on draws to, you know, you know, like anybody would do, you know, to a friend and stuff like Shane was Shane and Dilo were the first persons there as, you know, they're bringing draws through to take him to the ambulance to, uh, you know, let the spirits and, uh, root them on. And, uh, it, it brought, it flashed back to a, a match I had had once where, uh, I was wrestling, you know, every Thursday I wrestled in Indianapolis, Indiana for Mike samples. And, uh, there's a guy who was at Al's gym who, uh, had been wrestling for a while. But he came up to Al's to uh, polish up on his skills. His name was uh, Vinny Magnetti. And he wrestled as the Shark Attack Kid. And he actually, uh, if you watch ECW in 95, he actually had a match against Taz on uh, ECW. And Taz gave him some offense, too, which was pretty cool. Because they both broke in at uh, uh, Johnny Rod school. Mm-hmm. But this kid, Vinny, came out to Al's to you know, brush up. And we're having this match in Indianapolis on a Thursday night. And we had done this spot a million times before where I'd bump, you know, Vinny would bump me. I'd feed up into a corner. Vinny did this beautiful move where he'd run at you. He'd put his hands on your legs and kind of roll up your body into a Frankensteiner position and then do a Frankensteiner. Oh, so like, like an up and then back. Yeah, it was like kind of like he was sitting up before so he would run put himself in the pile driver position, but his legs would go over your shoulders and then he would sit up and then he would go back and do the Frankensteiner and you'd take the Frankensteiner. For whatever reason, this match was like snake bitten from the beginning. Like I shot him in, I went for, you know, for a backdrop. He went to kick me, which you've seen a million times, but his timing was off and he booted me right in the forehead. 
Uh, to the point where you saw the eyelets and the laces <laughs> of his boot across my forehead. I look, I look like a football. Oh, so that happened early in the match. I'm peed up in the corner, and he this move spot which we had done countless times in training and also in matches. He's running, puts his hands, rolls up my body, and I walk out to do the Frankensteiner, and I went to sit out, sit out like a power bomb. Well, the first time he did the Frankensteiner, the second time he was going to do it for the second time, going to the well one too many times, and now I was going to sit out for a power bomb. Mm-hmm. But I don't know whether it was me getting kicked in the head. I assumed that we had already done the the, the Frankensteiner spot, so I went to sit out for the power oh, bomb while he was going for the Frankensteiner, and it was just like a similar situation to where we were we. You know, I checked on him. He was fine, and we finished the match. But once we got to the locker room, we were just that cold chill that goes through your body where you go, oh, my God. What? You know, Half you, a second you, you, off. And, yeah. 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 The match was, the you know, the snake bent from the beginning. And we get to the back. I'm like, dude, you okay? He's like, dude, you okay? Because, I, had, you know, I had this <laughs> big football. You know, you see his boot mark on my forehead. And then, like, I'm uh, – I, I – you know, shoot power driver, you know, game of shoot pile driver. Yeah. And it was, it was just like one of those. So when the draws thing happened, I was just like, Oh my God, you know, it, it brought that back that memory too, you know? Yeah. And then, and then with the draws thing, he stayed in the uh, local hospital there in New York. And then he's from South Jersey. He lives like a half hour from me. He's in uh, South Jersey somewhere. And uh, they brought him down to Hahnemann hospital here in Philadelphia. And I think I, I was one of the few guys that actually went to the hospital in Philly. I think D'Lo visited him. D'Lo might have visited mm-hmm. him in the hospital. But, like, as far as the rest of the roster, I went and, you know, saw him a couple of days a week and stuff like that until, uh, you know. And it, 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 the thing that sucks that happened, but, you know, credit to Vince. Uh, Vince went and paid to have his house totally redone. Like, Vince oh, wow. paid for the construction and draws his house to – Accommodate the wheelchair. Accommodate him, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying he is, but I wouldn't be surprised if you know Draws was still kind of on the payroll now. I know, I know, know, he was on the payroll for years afterwards. He was doing stuff with, uh, like, bite this and stuff, you know, or like, like WWF.com. I think yeah, I think he had an article, yeah, something like that. Like he was, he was doing. I know he was doing something. He was on payroll for a while, um, but yeah. Yeah, just a just an upsetting uh, thing, you know, and you hate to see, like even today, you know, just looking at him in the chair like that, you hate to see that. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, I got to see Draws a couple uh, years ago at Icons of the Ring at the ECW Arena, and, and Draws was a guest. Yeah, there. and I had seen I hadn't seen him since I I was visiting him in the hospital. I talk about a guy whose spirits are. He's, he's, he's an amazing spirit. Yeah. You know, his spirits are high and he holds like, he holds no ill will towards D'Lo and, you know, he, he's doing amazing things, you know, just, uh, you know, being a, a good example for making, you know, the best of a bad situation and, you know, forgiveness, you know, and he does, he has no ill will towards D'Lo. I know that it hit D'Lo hard too, mm. you know, it still haunts D'Lo to this day and it, it sucks. Yeah. You know, it happened, but uh, there's like a bow. You put a bow on it, you know. Draws is still, you know, an amazing guy. He's still an amazing guy. 
and uh, he, he's you know uh, he's living his life. You know, there's there's no uh, there's not you know nothing negative. You know, he, he's he's living every day like it's you know the best day. So I love Draws. He's a good dude. And make sure to check out, uh, you know, we're just giving free plugs here. Maybe we can get Dark Side of the Ring to sponsor this. We, we're, we're uh, that would be great. Uh, no, but, but definitely check it out. There, uh, another great episode, great documentary series. Um, we're going to have to pick. I want to pick a documentary at some point. Um, doesn't have to be wrestling related, but for us to talk about, we'll pick something. Maybe uh, you and I will go watch it on our free time. Encourage the fans to watch it and we'll come back and we'll talk about it. Yeah. Why yeah. not, man? I mean, uh, documentaries are my wheelhouse. Yeah, so her. I go, watch, it's, it's like back in the day with, uh, behind the music, I go watch behind mm-hmm. the music on a band. I didn't even really care about. And just interesting. Uh, yeah. Some, and it would make me a fan. I've always so. been anything that's a behind the scenes of television or film, like a behind the scenes of making the movie or anything like that. I've, I've always just been huge into that. Um, so yeah, we'll figure out something. Maybe we'll tweet something out to you, the uh, the nameless mind of the meanie fans. We still got to come up with something. Yeah, we, we got to figure out. We got to figure out again. There's the meanians. No. There's you had had a good one. Uh, the Pod Squad. Yes, we can. Uh, yeah, I could be uh, meanie in the Pod Squad. Meanie in the Pod Squad. I like being, that. Being part of the Job Squad yeah. and you know being back po- podcast. Let us know. Like, would you? Would you? Uh, Proudly wear a Pod Squad T-shirt. Uh, we should get on we it. Should get you know, we're, gonna, we're gonna make a note right here uh, and do that. Make a little. But speaking of the possible Pod Squad, uh, Meanie, you up for a little uh, AMA? Ask Meanie anything. Let's uh, let's let's do this. Let's see what the uh, the fans have in mind. Right, so we had some fun ones here. Uh, first one we're going to do is from Facebook. That is right. You can use the hashtag Ask on Facebook or Twitter and ask Meanie any questions. And I think this one this one comes from Mike Ferrara. Uh, hopefully, I'm saying his name correctly. Uh, and he asked, "What was it like wrestling at Madison Square Garden?" Wrestling at Madison Square Garden was a, a dream come true. Uh, you know, growing up, I, I, you know, as a wrestling fan, I'd watch wrestling, you know, on TV. Then I would see matches from the spectrum and then matches from, you know, Madison Square Garden. You think of all the, the people who've come and gone through Madison Square Garden, all the names, you know, not even wrestling, but, you know, musical acts, you know, from Sinatra to whoever you can, you know, Led Zeppelin's movie, the song remains the same was filmed at the, the Mass Square Garden, stuff yeah. like that. So you think of all the history in that building, and then, you know, WWE holds that building in such high acclaim. You know, it, you know, you know, the shows where, like, where if it, even if it was a house show, Vince would come out because it was the yeah. Garden. You know, so uh, the first time I got to work the Garden was it, it was it was awesome. We got there, and it was uh, there was a double shot that day where I guess the Knicks were playing. Then in the afternoon and that night, uh, it was WWE. So I got there right as I guess the next game, next game was finishing, and I went out and stood on the uh, the basketball court, oh, wow. you know, and stood you know stood like mid court where they did the tip off and just looked up at the ceiling and there's that familiar pattern mm-hmm. of the the massive square garden ceiling, you know that you see you know you see at the beginning of WrestleMania or every show from the garden where 
you know, they do that mm-hmm. panoramic view of the ceiling. And it's got the like, like the different tile effect or something yeah. like that. So I just walked out to mid court and just stood straight up and looked up and I watched them disassemble the floor. And then on that loop, it was me and uh, Bob Holly against Edge and Chris, Edge and Christian. Well, and Bob Holly against the Brood, Job Squad versus the Brood. You know, they had uh, Gangrel at uh, ringside. And we'd been doing this match around the loop. And uh, <laughs> there's a, a moment in this match that I, I still talk about to this day. Me, uh, Al, who wasn't in the match, but was watching from the curtain. And Gangrel talked about this match where there's a spot where something happened. Bob's in the ring. He bumps Edge or Christian, and then Gangrel pops up on the ring apron, and he feeds for a punch, and, you know, Bob goes to give him a shot. (laughs) Well, this one time, and it happened to be in Madison Square Garden, Gangrel pops up for the the punch from Mm -hmm. Bob, and Bob clocks him square right between the eyes, and Gangrel is wearing his sunglasses, and he hits him so hard that, like, like there's a delayed reaction to where Gangrel goes, did he just hit me for real? <laughs> and, like, I'm demonstrating on the, the – we're on this webcam. Like, his glasses <laughs> went all crooked. Like, can, crooked. Can I take a picture and of you just, and, we'll, and we'll share it yeah, on our please. social media? Here we go. <laughs> like that. Put that – like, use that as visual aid. And Gangrel just slowly crumbles down from the top rope to the second rope to the bottom rope to the apron to the floor. And I had to, I like literally put my hand, my hand in my face. I'm just like, like fat cat laughing like <laughs> the cartoons. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, like that. And like, we get back to the locker room and like Al was just howling and stuff like that. And, uh, unfortunately for Gangrel, yeah. we're like, God damn. <laughs> Me and Gangrel talk about that to this day. He's like, God damn, Bob. You know, but, uh, you know, Bob Holly's an awesome well, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that Bob Holly liked me. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and Bob Holly took me under his wing, too. Uh, so uh, somebody just recently was able to find that match for me. It, it was like a handheld bootleg from up in the nosebleed. Oh, wow. But I actually got to watch that match back. And uh, it's, it's cool to be able to see a match that wasn't televised. Yeah. But somebody took the time to re- well, they, they recorded the whole show, but I got to see that match back. Do you have and, that, uh, or somebody just showed it to you? Oh, I got it. I got it. See, in the in the mini archive. If you can find it, uh, see maybe if you I can find that punch. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I, it's, I know I posted the go home, even though I did the job. I didn't care. I was really happy. I mean, I think that was like literally your. I mean, it was the job squad, you know. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of your job. And I got to, I got to, yeah, I got to work there one more time. Uh, when I was managing, managing gold dust, mm-hmm. uh, we, all this had been wrestling the Godfather around the loop and, uh, I was his quarter man. And we, I, I, the second time I worked the garden was with gang, uh, not with gang girl with gold dust. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was, it was awesome. It was pretty cool. Um, Hey, what was this question coming from me? Uh, what was bigger to you, the garden or being able to wrestle? In, well, first of all, did you ever wrestle in the spectrum or was it just the the first union or core state first union, Wachovia center, whatever, all the different names went through. I know you were there because I know WrestleMania 15 was there. Yeah. You ever wrestle at the spectrum? 
I wish I could have wrestled at Spectrum. Uh, I didn't, but uh, there was one time uh, when the Spectrum was closing, they had this thing where you, you spend like 20 bucks, you go in and leave with the, you, take, you can leave with whatever you can physically carry out of the Spectrum. Oh, wow. And uh, I went down there with uh, Bay Ragney, who wrestled in ECW as Chubby Dudley. I was like, dude, let's just run a high spot to say we work the Spectrum. <laughs> you know? <laughs> People around us won't know what the fuck we're doing, but hey, we can say, hey, we did the you know, spot in the Spectrum, you know, which we didn't do. But I, I got a, a couple chairs from the Spectrum, and uh, Mrs. Meany's office chair uh, is an office chair from the Spectrum that I used to That's wield awesome. the uh, the red the red seats from the Spectrum in, in my house. I, and I got bricks from the Spectrum, oh, too. Oh, that's which so cool. I, I, I uh, drunkenly ran to the Spectrum one night. I was like, I know where they're hiding the bricks. And we, it was like a gold heist, you know? We, Can I tell you, I'll, I'll tell you a funny thing. Um, my first time ever at the ECW arena was very recently. It was, it was, um, I don't remember exactly what the year was. I guess it was January, 2018. Um, yeah. And it was, uh, before I had gotten back into the business, before I started doing the podcast with Bill and before I started doing my show or anything, I hadn't been in the business in a couple of years. Um, and I went down, but I was a fan of uh, something to wrestle. So they were doing a show there. So I went down to see their live show and made the same joke with my buddy, Matt, who I used to wrestle with uh, back in the day about how we're, we're there. We're like, you know, if we kind of just do like a little spot here, a little something there, you know, uh, we can say we worked the ECW arena and we didn't do it. So, you know, but, um, but right. what was cool is Al Snow was a uh, surprise guest that night. So it was really nice. It was the first time I had seen Al in a number of years. So I got to kind of hang with him a little bit afterwards. And, uh, and I, I, I guess that night may have just been that thing that, that made that itch come back a little bit. And then when an opportunity presented itself to get back into doing something in the business, I was, you know, I was all over it, but, uh, but it's funny. As soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, we, we did that for the ECW arena. So, but, uh, was it, that's the nerd. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's the nerd. And absolutely. Us, you know? Um, so what was it though? Uh, Madison square garden or the Wachovia center or what the, what is it called now? Uh, well, Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo center. Fargo man, center. I am, I mean, it was the Wachovia center at one point, wasn't it? First, yeah, it was uh, well, it's the first, first union, union and then core, oh, no, it's core state, then, uh, core state core spectrum state. first, I believe, right? Core state or You're core correct. state uh, arena, and then first union, Wachovia, and now Wells Fargo Center. Uh, I think they, they they definitely missed out on the fact that during you know the attitude there when you know Steve Austin was wrestling there, it was called technically it was the, the FU, FU Center, Center, yeah, yeah, they never acknowledged that. So they could have done like a they, they should have did a, like a commemorative <laughs> shirt, you know, Steve Austin at the FU. They Center, absolutely giving you know, the, giving the double <laughs> fingers and stuff like that. Um, but what was for you? Obviously, Madison Square Garden. It's the Garden. But what do you, what what was more meaningful to you personally to perform in the Garden or perform at we'll just call it the Center? uh doing wrestlemania at the center you know because i mean your ultimate goal in the business is to work at wrestlemania you know and to do yeah and philly's been a huge part of my career still huge part of my life i was Mm -hmm. hey i was born here right so debuted ecw philly debuted wwe in philly had my mania moment in philly uh you know as as holy ground as you know master square garden is you know Mm -hmm. 
I'm un, I'm unapologetically a Philly homer. So, you know, to do WrestleMania in my hometown was definitely personally meant more to me. You know? uh, so, yeah, there's that. Here's a, a great question. Um, came to us from Twitter at uh, Tricky McVomit asked, what's a butt for? For you who are not familiar <laughs> with Tricky McVomit, that is uh, Mrs. Meany. And uh, ask me the question. What's a butt for? For pooping, stupid. <laughs> there we go. All right. Yeah. That was that was just for you, Mrs. Meany. <laughs> That's Mrs. Meany popping in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and while that is very difficult to follow, um, here is our last question for Mrs. Meany's over. I she don't, is. I don't care about she is. Over. Um, she, she, she knows more about the business. Some of the people in the business, you know, just <laughs> being around us goofy wrestlers, you know, and being in them in car rides and stuff like that. You know, uh, our last question comes from also from Twitter. Uh, Andrew uh, mine zero zero writes, who came up with the BWL? Uh, I, I'm going to say me. Okay. There you I, have it. I, I've had, <laughs> well, but like, you know, like I always tell people, sometimes when you're in, in the wrestling business, you're so in the wrestling business that you don't have a really ch- have a chance to sit back and you know reflect. But like I've had conversations with like Bubba Ray Dudley, and he says he had recommended it. So there very could been a, a chance where Bubba brought it up, and then there's you know it could have been me expounding on the idea, but I I distinctly remember uh, I was talking with Al Snow, as I and he was in WWE and I'm in ECW. And I talk about you know we're all talking about hey what are you doing hey what I'm doing, I was like yeah we did we've been doing the parodies and we're thinking about doing the parody of NWO. I I think we should be you know the BWO and. Instead of the blue guy, I could be the bad guy and all this stuff. And Al, like, we're just, I'm just riffing. And Al's like, pop. And I'm like, well, if I pop Al, right. <laughs> you know, maybe I can go, you know, because Al will either say that's great or that's stupid. Al doesn't mince words. So um, I, I went back to, you know, Stevie. And I was like, and Stevie and Ray, I was like, how about the Blue World Order, you know? And it, it then became like a, a an idea of like who's going to play who. And I was like, I was like, dude, I'll be Scott Hall and you be Kevin Nash and Ho, you know Nova could be Hogan. And like at first, like like Stevie wanted to be Hogan. We're like, no, there's no way you're going to be Hogan, right? I mean, when you look at them, you know, NWO, there's like a, a height thing yeah. too. Like Nash, is, but Nash is the tallest. Then there's Hogan, and then like Hall's like the second. Mm-hmm. You know, they, yeah, so me and Stevie had already been a tag team. So the tag team's established of Paul and Nash, Meanie and Stevie and Meanie. And Nova's like the newer guy, but like, you know, like he could have been Hogan. You know, and we're talking about that. Did you guys ever have a name like, like uh, how like they were the outsiders? Did you guys ever have one? Uh, we were ju- we, we did a, a limited t shirt where it's me and Nova and we called ourselves the insiders. Wow. So, okay. And uh, <laughs> in the back, just said, "Buy the shirt, buy the shirt." But I don't think I, I don't know if it was mentioned. I think Joey had might have mentioned that we were the insiders <laughs> with the ECWTV. I'm not sure. I have to, like I said, I have to go back and rewatch it. And like when you're in the business, you're so busy going on. You you do the thing, and then you're on to the yeah, next. Yeah, you're thing. working. You're right. Yeah, and it's... It, it, 
And, and, and there's a lot of things where like a wrestler will misremember something and the fan will hop on him and go, well, he was lying about it because on this day, blah, 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 blah. And it was just cool because as a fan, you're watching, you're documenting, you're soaking it in, you're watching or you're watching. But when you're in the business, you're so busy doing it, you're going on to the next thing. That'd be like me asking somebody, uh, what, what did you do your, uh, your job 10 years ago? Right. And then you have to go back and try to remember. I, I remember when I was interviewing uh, Jerry Lawler at one point, and we're talking about how he got his his start doing commentary with WWE, and he had told a story about the day that like Macho Man left, and this whole thing. But it what he, I knew just from being a fan from growing up that time, his timeline was totally off. Um, and I remember during this interview, just sitting there thinking to myself, do I say, oh, no, 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 you're wrong. This is our, or do I let him go and then have everybody listening to the interview say, well, no, that, that isn't right. So I kind of like nicely was like, ah, you know, uh, you probably meant just that one show because Macho Man left at this point. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's tough to remember. But yeah, I wasn't sure. But but again, for me, I was a diehard fan as a kid watching everything when he showed up that was a, a moment for me that was something i remembered for him it was you know what did you do yeah on a tuesday at work uh you know 16 26 years ago whatever you know so yeah it, it's very yeah it, it was very clear at that at that point but uh but yeah no but but back to what you're saying so with the bwo so you think that that was kind of you that came up with the yeah for years, I've been saying it's it's been me. But then, like, I did a uh, did the Ring of Honor show in Maryland, and Bubba was on that show. And we were reminiscing, and he said something about how he thought of us doing the BWO. So it could have been like him sparking an idea, and then me just running with it. It could have been, you know, uh, uh, like you know a Reese cup where the chocolate meets the peanut butter, and they go, "Oh, your chocolate's in my peanut butter, your peanut butter's in my chocolate." <laughs> but it, you know. But uh, as far as I remember, I'm the one who came up with the actual verbiage, BWO. And the idea for me to be the blue guy instead of the bad guy. And then uh, later on, I popped uh, Paulie with the, you know, I'll go out there and say I'm oozing blue cheese, Mo. Because, <laughs> you know, it's meant to play off of Razor uh-huh. Mo. You know, when Scott Hall was raised. When uh, Scott Hall was uh, Razor Ramon, he would go, I'm oozing machismo. So it was just me doing a play off of the Razor Ramon, like <laughs> Love it, the oozing blue cheese mo. Yeah, just goofy that, shit. You know, that's the cool thing. I don't thing. know how that's that, like I don't I know still, how that's going to be a t-shirt, but I'm writing it down just as a. I don't know. Maybe we should do it like a mini burger shirt. Yeah, or like a, a blue, like a look. It looks like a blue cheese uh, dressing, or like a. I don't know. I, we got to think about this, but. Uh, Sounds kind. Sounds kind of <laughs> gross. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to wear a oozing blue cheesemo shirt? Yeah, uh, yeah. Unless I was a cabbage patch doll or a garbage pail kid. Yeah, right. Or something like that. Yeah. Wait, I just watched a documentary about garbage pail kids last night. That was pretty. Can I tell cool. you something that I I was so mad at myself about um, when I was. Uh, when my daughter was about six months old, we were redoing a room. We moved into the house um, and we always knew we wanted to fix some things up. So um, I decided it was around, uh, I'm sorry, not when she was six months, when she was about a year, I was like, okay, for her birthday, we're going to give her a, a new, we'll repaint the room, do some new carpet. So we also, we redid all the, the trim 
And uh, so I was ripping out the old trim in this house. My house was built in 86, <laughs> okay? So I'm ripping out the old uh, baseboard. I bet, you, I bet you were ripping out that old oh, you, trim. Oh, um, <laughs> you know it. Uh, good. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I'm ripping out the uh, baseboard, specifically saying baseboard. And I find a uh, Garbage Pail Kids trading card it like there, like in the baseboard. Now, again, this house was built in 86. We moved in, in, uh, 2015. So, you know, I'm looking at this, I'm going this, maybe this is worth something. Who knows? Right. Yeah. So I put it aside with all my, all my stuff. And, uh, long story short, I, uh, threw it away with the disposable drop cloth got mixed in and I threw it away. Oh. I have no, I, I can't remember which one it was. Um, but I, you know, I mean, look, it's not like I threw away thousands of dollars, but for something I found sitting there, I don't care. I would have sold it on eBay for $20, you know? It's, it, yeah. It's not like you found a Mickey. Right. Mantle, it's not Mickey Mantle, uh, Mantle rookie edition, card, but yeah. But, uh, yeah. but no, but it always rookie cards. <laughs> Don West. He's back again. Don, thanks for, thanks yeah, for joining Don us. West. Um, you got it. But uh yeah, no, it's just made me made me think of that when you said that. But uh Yeah, dude, I can't dude, I've moved so much. I've I've lost so much cool shit like uh I remember as a kid I had a signed NFL football. I forget who signed it, but we lost it in a move somewhere and I wish I had it now just to say who was it, you know, and you know, figure out Do you remember the Randall Cunningham like show? Yes. Okay. Uh as well for anybody who's not familiar as per any like sports figure in Philly, they usually get like a, a Sunday mm-hmm. morning talk show where it's like, you know, the quarterback with the local sportscaster. And this time they were doing the, they did the Randall Cunningham show that the buddy Ryan show. And now like it, it moved. They had the Donovan McNabb show. So, so, well, I, so I don't remember exactly if it was like from like boy scouts or some, you know, school thing or something like that. But I do remember it was, uh, me and my dad, my dad, he was a, uh, diehard Eagles fan. Um, like I, I love right. the Eagles, but, um, I, I mean, he, he definitely, it, it didn't come down to me as much as he, I mean, he loved, loved the Eagles. So for me, I thought it was cool. I'm going, but he was, you know, super psyched as was, I'm there with, you know, my best friends, their dads are all like, this is so cool. You know, go like, you know, immediately signing up to go to this thing. So we go to the uh, the Randall Cunningham show, and at the end, we all get what I in my mind remember as a Randall Cunningham uh, candy bar. Now it may have actually just been like a Snickers bar, like it, it, but I remember it being or like a Baby Ruth or something. Like it, it was it was white. I know it was white. Um, but he signed it. He signed all of these, and I looked at this candy bar. I'm like, this is my prized possession now. Someone with common sense would say, great, let's take some scissors, cut the end of that, slide that candy bar out, enjoy it, and save this autograph thing. But not me. Right. I kept the candy bar inside. Eventually, long story short, the candy bar, it melts. It like all this, it just destroyed. It like leaked out of the packaging at one point. And just onto there was like nougat or something covering over his autograph, and I'm just like, it has to go. And I ended up actually having to throw it away. 
So that was my, oh. yeah, that was it. So uh, Randall Cunningham, I know you're, you're listening um, and uh, <laughs> big fan of the show. Uh, if you want to send, you can reach out to me at so says Chernoff on Twitter and uh, slide into my DMs with mar- the candy bar. Wow. That's dude. I, I marked I'm, that better. I marked out huge for, uh, I'm no, no. Step on you there. I was just asking, I was just asking a man to slide into my DMs with a candy bar. So nothing, uh, <laughs> Nothing that needed to be heard. <laughs> Dude, I marked out hard for uh, Rand. I did a signing somewhere in Virginia, and he was there. I was like, fuck it. I'll, I'll buy the ticket. Mm-hmm. I don't care. And I went and got a photo with him. And I was all fanboy. I was, like, I was Chris Farley <laughs> with Paul McCartney type. Like, remember that time? You know, but yeah. yeah. Fucking, I love Randall Cunningham. Randall was the man. Even though, uh, you know, he never took us to the promised land, but he, he kept us yes, excited. Absolutely. Well, hey, that's about it as far as our questions go. Meanie, anything else uh, on your mind or in your mind that you want to share with us today? Uh, like I said, please support the show. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Meanie and slash Blue Meanie. And yours, Sosa Chernoff? I am, yeah, I am uh, slash Sosa Chernoff, Sosa Chernoff.com. Um, uh, please, please support the Cauliflower Alley uh, Club. Go to caulifloweralley.org, uh, caulifloweralleyclub.org, uh, support a great cause. Also, uh, I'm going to be a part of a great video game coming out in July called Retromania Wrestling, which is the uh, officially the uh, sequel to WWE WrestleFest. Uh, a great guy named Michael, Michael Herman has put together this great video game. Uh, Retromania, you can find them on uh, social media at Retromania. Uh, they just put out, speaking of the, the cage with the blue bars, they uh, just put out a animation of what the cage match is going to look like, and they got the uh, the blue bars it's on so, there and stuff like so that. It's so cool. If you're a, even if you're not an old school wrestling video game fan, um, yeah, definitely check them out. What's their social media again? Uh, retro, uh, it's Retrosoft. It's by Retrosoft Studios. So look up Retrosoft studio on social yeah. media look up retromania on social media you'll find their pages and uh next week we'll dive definitely dive into the retromania yeah. video game because it, it's awesome i just did a convention up in uh, boston we did pax east to help promote uh retromania wrestling and uh it's myself the bwo uh it's uh the road wars tommy dreamer colt cabana uh johnny uh john morrison who's going johnny to be, retro uh, right johnny yeah. retro Johnny Retro in the game. So there's so much cool stuff uh, to, to, to look for with, with this game coming out. And we'll dive more into it next week. I know we're if a, going a little bit long. If, a, uh, if you see a fan in the audience there and you think it looks like me, uh, it's not. But, uh, <laughs> but hey, did we talk about it? I don't think we talked about it on this, uh, on this show before. Um, you, we talked about how you were in a video game. I technically was in a video game as well. And I, if I can just take this second before we wrap up um, to ask our fans to do me a huge favor. So it was the raw game. I want to say it came out like 2000, maybe 2002. Um, my friend JD and myself had gone to uh, an indie show when Steve Carino's company, he had the, uh, the PWF. Um, and we went to one of the shows and we were there and we met up with Bill Apter. And Bill 
get interviewed us for something for wow magazine. Um, and it was something about the people coming. This is why I know the timeline because it was something about when people were coming over, uh, from the WW from WCW to WWF WCW had just gone out and he took pictures of JD and myself for the magazine. And I still, that I have that I still have. Um, so a few months later, even a year later, the new raw video game comes out. And when you scroll through in the, in the create a wrestler, you can choose a little icon for anybody there. I get to one icon. It's this guy in a white t-shirt and a baseball hat. I was wearing a baseball hat. I was wearing my white, uh, uh, wild Simone training center t-shirt. And, uh, I'm looking, I'm like, Oh, that looks a lot like my, uh, my picture in the magazine. I go to the next one and it is unmistakably, uh, JD. And I will, I'll post this, uh, I'll post the actual picture um, to the mind of the mini social media because it, it is undoubtedly him. And so then when you look at it, you go, wow, this is, they just took our pictures and they turn it, they like drew them. So they like, they drew these pictures of it, but I don't have that game anymore. And I don't know, I'm not savvy enough to figure out how to go online and find it. So if anyone can find the creator wrestler, of the guy, I think he's wearing like a striped shirt and then the guy in the white shirt and the baseball hat and get me images of that. Please send them to at Sosa Chernoff. I would really, really appreciate that. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, kind of on the same level as you being in WrestleMania 2000 and, and any other, you know, oh, al- yeah. almost oh, yeah. exactly the same. Um, all <laughs> right. Well, Manny, that about does it for us. I'm going to run through our social media one more time because we really want to stay connected with uh with our pod squad or if we change our minds and decide to call you something else uh you can follow us on social media across the board at mind of the meanie um and while you're at it please follow us individually meanie can be found on twitter and instagram at blue meanie bwo i'm at so so on twitter instagram and facebook uh don't forget to visit mindofthemeanie.com for all our great shirts, uh, including the brand new mustache shirt. Um, go, uh, of course, to ProWrestlingTees slash BlueMeanie and CollarAndElbowBrand.com promo code Meanie. Meanie, this has been a whole lot of fun. Um, and I guess we will see everybody next time for the Blue Meanie. I'm Josh Chernoff. Join us again next Monday for another trip into the mind of the meanie.